Uh, I know you've been hearing me from lately because I've been kind of doing some research. I've been all in your LinkedIn and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, dude. I don't really use LinkedIn on what the purpose of LinkedIn is for. I was at one point in time. Yeah, same, then, same. You know, it just kinda... Once you start doing your own shit, you're kind of just like, yo, fuck well, it was just it was easy for me to get this information about the fool's entertainment. Oh no, nah, no, nah, no, most definitely. So, you have to. There's a a guy. I definitely think you should check out. His name is RJ. He's part of the Fourth Age Comics. He's a very good dude. Uh, the things that he breaks down between storytelling with mainstream comic books like Marvel and DC, fucking mm-hmm. spectacular. And you kind of see what's going on between the mainstream comic books right now and why it's so fucking horrible and why. They've been losing a lot of money. Yeah, they have been hurting, haven't they? <laughs> hurting hella bad. DC is hurting bad. right now. DC yeah, they're just, they're literally saying, okay, we either hard pivot left and this shit and Snyder, and they literally, remember, the fans forced this change. You know, this was, the you know, you can call it underground. This is probably, if this succeeds, this is going to be oh. one of those stories that we tell our kids besides the Sonic, you know, success. And we're kind of like, yeah, people were angry. And anger. How much you think that Sonic was uh, that was planned out though? Oh no 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 no, that was, no 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 that's I what's planned that was out. Me and Chasey talked okay, about okay. it. It was that was, <laughs> because they had to do this to be like either we get the '90s kids angry and we use PR to swing exactly, left, and if there we don't go. cut a certain point, we're fucked because we. That can't. was their, that was just their version of trolling. They were. <laughs> well, trolling. I also, I I'm mean, pretty I sure they that they had the real Sonic one also, but they just really wanted to use the PR. But they had that Sonic they were going to do they the trolled. whole entire time. They trolled the fans for PR. They used nostalgia as PR. So, I mean, I, I remember my... Which is a good business move. It's a it's a smart tactic if you it's, really want to do it. An expensive. Uh, so it's a big yeah. risk. Yeah, because, they, because, you know, supposedly they had to go back and remaster and all this stuff. And it's like, well, you know, you look at the quality of everything and considering, eh, but there definitely could have obviously been a lot more love. But it, it looks good quality-wise, so... People are willing to do it, and the okay. T's are strong. So. All right, fellas, we about to get this going. We about to get this started. Welcome to episode 22 of My Anime List Gets Longer Every Day. Today we have a special guest in the building. His name is Mr. Chris Brown. And I'm going to start, I'm going to drop that Mr. Every time I have somebody on, I keep saying Mr. I'm just being respectful. Yeah, man. It's all good. I appreciate that, man. You make me sound old as hell. All about the love. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the fact I'm trying to make somebody sound old. I'm just being respectful. I appreciate that, though, bro. I appreciate that. So, all right. So, it's just Chris. Chris is a good. We'll just keep saying Chris. Okay. I don't dance and I don't sing, all right? No, okay. Mean, okay. He's like setting setting standards one. at the beginning for the yeah, bro. We <laughs> don't know how many people like made fun of that shit there. in this whole three year period. Mm-hmm. Even last year when we were doing conventions, people would literally come up to my table. Chris Brown's here. Chris Brown. And I'm like, really, <laughs> really fool, really fool. All right, for sure. Yeah, I'm here. And then at LA Comic Con last year, 
Chris Brown actually did perform at the uh, Staples Center across the street. So people were really trying to troll me. It's like, oh, is Chris Brown going to be at the convention and he's going to be performing at the Staples Center too? Oh, my God. It's like, come on, bro. You know that. You, you know that. You know that. That's not going to happen, man. This is mm. just people with their foolishness. That's all it is. But anyway, we ain't going to troll you. We're not going to call you C. Breezy, nothing like that. This is Chris Brown. That. The real Chris Brown of Omega Black. I am older. Thank you. Yeah. You are older. I, so you're the first. You're the original. Yeah. Oh, you know. gee. Hit that motherfucker with a copyright. You might get I don't something. know. I don't Never mind. Hit Hey, hey, Chris Brown or everybody, you might get a deal out of it. Sure, you never know. Hey, man, <laughs> Chris. Well, either way, it's all good. So, Chris, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate your greatness and making an appearance for us. Can oh, you tell you us about your company, Fools Entertainment, and the creation you have of Omega Baraku? It's also yes. formerly known as Omega Black, but the new name yeah. is Omega Baraku. We'll, we'll, get we'll get into all that. We'll get into we'll get into all, all that. that. Chris, <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I started Fools Entertainment back in 2016 when we originally started. We were just an entertainment company, uh, basically doing like hip hop shows with game tournaments, and then it kind of morphed into like something else. We started doing VR recordings at the tournaments and shows, and uh, that's how we got on Veer TV, and uh, we ended up making number nine in the world for VR content for about two weeks. We're beating out Warner Brothers Russia, the the Russia branch of Warner Brothers for about 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 about, about two days before it started going out. But we was up on the top ten list for two weeks. It was pretty dope, and uh, we started going more further into like uh, working with other companies such as Razor. I don't know if you're aware of who they are. They're like a big like gaming company based mm-hmm. out in like. Oh, what's the, what's the name of that place? I can't think of it. Um, it's leaving my head right now. But they also have their place here in San Francisco at the Westville Mall. We started doing the game tournaments over there every Saturday. And uh, 100 people, 200 people would come in, and it would be it was, it was freaking dope. And um, I was just like, well, how about we start having our own products? And uh, I've been working on this thing, Omega Black, uh, at 2017. So like the year after I started Fools Entertainment, I started kind of writing my own stuff like that. And uh, went ahead and started publishing in 2018. That's when Omega Black came out. It took us a, almost a full year to, to, to get that shit ready. And uh, the original Omega Black was 135 pages, but we had to slim it down to 40 just so that way we could take care of the, the cost. Making a comic book is expensive. A lot of people don't understand that. You know, you got to pay for your art. You got to pay for your your lettering, you got to pay for, you know, putting a book together, your editing, all that stuff goes into account. And uh, it's really expensive. So are you, you strictly, with, are you strictly paperback or are you on Kindles and all that stuff as well? Uh, I'm only paperback. And with the Omega Broccoli coming out on Indiegogo, we're not going to do digital. Uh, the one of the big problems of last year that we had was people were pirating Omega Black from Comixology. It's money right there. I'm not really mm-hmm. happy about that at all. Uh, so to kind of cut that down, let's keep it on the paperback sales. This also keeps people reading paperback books. If you make a, a good product and it looks good, people are going to get it. Um, and that keeps this business going. And hopefully other people can flip books and make their money back on what they spent. But, you know, just trying to keep that whole thing going. And maybe it might work for other people with webtoons, but like what, you'd rather have the views or you'd rather have hardback sales. 
I'll take the hardback sales any day. Hey man, if you, honestly, like because, like, like we hear about these streams, these clicks. You never, you never have a def- definite price on how much you get from those. It's pretty mm-hmm. much what the company that you're working with determines what that price is. So mm-hmm. if you can sell a hardback copy for ten bucks with three hundred copies sold, four hundred five hundred copies sold, you already know what you're getting up front. So yeah. I don't blame you for that. Us being in a podcast situation, we have to work on streams and listeners, so we don't really have control over that. Hey, no, it's, it's a different business. It's a different Even though it's still connected with entertainment, it's just a different business. Mm-hmm. Right. So I like I want to uh, hold on to what you just said. The copyright issues, people stealing your stuff. Were they stealing your images? What were they doing? Stealing, stealing yeah. the pages, putting in their own like uh, PDF format and selling it off. Like, oh, really? That type of thing. So like people will go on Comixology screenshot each page and then they'll put those pages together in their own uh pdf file, and change their and name and call it something off. else oh no they'll just sell it off and have it their own omega black instead of the money coming to me you know oh acting like they're the original source yeah hosting oh yeah we have this person so yeah, yeah he's getting the money but you're you're not even they're they're completely middleman completely no, they're just taking the operation and running with it exactly oh lord that's the um, problem because, with digital because, books and digital content, and, man. You and, got you, that that shit right there is really really hard. And me and and JC were you know in our pre meetings just you know getting into this wonderful this moment. Now we were actually kind of just talking and you know and discussing what you know some of your concerns might be and kind of even I was curious as you know comicsology sounds like a you know it's a very big and well known name in that world. Yeah. So I was kind of hoping that it was something that was going to be beneficial to you. You know I'm kind of shocked, but you know I feel a little disheartened. But I'm happy to hear you know you have a solution. But I'm sorry you went through that going through such a big name. But you have to go through these things to learn, you know, and then you adjust, you know, business, you always have to adapt. Even what we're going through right now, you have to adapt. So like, got to find what works, man. You know, real business people find a solution. Uh, The ones that don't, you know, the ones that don't keep up with the times and seeks to exist. And we're not trying to be that. That would also show you that no matter how big a name of a company, you still got to read the fine print. You got to know what they're going to do to protect you. They got, you got to know what's in the best interest. So sometimes taking that smaller company might be a little bit more work, but they put in the extra work in keeping your product safe. Exactly. Exactly. So, so like even when me publishing other people's books, you know, I'm doing with them the same thing I do with Omega Brock Group, you know, direct sales to customers, distributing to comic book stores and bookstores, just like how Diamond does, but we offer buybacks. So, mm-hmm. like, if the books don't do well within a few weeks, I buy them shits back. I'll sell them at a convention because I know I can sell them at a convention. Usually, I sell about 300 to 400 comic books at a convention. So, I was, it's not hard to do that. Um, it's just a matter of those books are going to move. And the mm-hmm. store doesn't take a hit. You know, they can feel comfortable with buying it. And if the people in their community are not really fucking with it, they can feel comfortable with me coming back, buying it back, and selling it off. And I still mm-hmm. keep the good name. No reputation, no, no reputation tarred or anything. Sometimes it just doesn't work in certain areas. Hmm. Like before COVID, we had nine stores that were carrying Omega Broccoli or Omega Black, the original comic book. Nine. Uh, since COVID, this whole thing down, uh, we only have two stores. One grocery store here in the Bay Area uh, and John, John and Comics, which is in Phoenix, Arizona. And I had to get up to Tim Brown. He stayed open throughout the whole entire thing doing curbside pickup. 
and making sure that he had Omega Black Convos in his store. So like you, you you also find the people who are are really about that shit. You know what I mean? During this whole time, mm-hmm. and those are people you can really trust and rely on and try to build something off of. That brings us to one of our questions we were going to ask you. So, but we appreciate you talking about it anyway. Like the impact of COVID nineteen and how your ability to reach potential vendors and readers has it affected you guys. So it sounds like it slowed you down a little bit. And you oh, were- I lost forty percent of my income off of that, right? There, oh, man. damn. You know, the conventions was a pretty big, you know, money booster for me. Right. Especially, you know, with the guest invites. The guest invites is so dope because it saves you so much money. You know, you don't have to pay for your table. You don't have to pay for your hotel. All that stuff is taken care of. And you can really concentrate on selling your product. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, like, that was a really big, big thing for me. And losing that, it's, it kind of sucks. But hopefully, you know, next year we got Anime Frontier, Anime NYC, uh, Phoenix Fan Fusion, uh, LA Comic Con, all of those will be back up and running next year. And I don't like doing the whole digital Comic Con thing either. <laughs> I don't, was, I don't that do was going to be my question because, you know, for better and for worse, and, you know, because I know a man like you has contingencies and contingencies and contingencies in place, you know, and I know your, your second contingency, if this is COVID, does hang around until 2021 and it hangs around until, you know, the summer and, you know, 20, you know, fall later 2021 looks okay but that early brunt of the year you have to kind of cut through some of the digital cons you know uh what was your feeling on you know approaching that to try to drive more potential customers did you have anything uh, in place uh there's a special thing that's going on right now between me and a lot of the other convention people i don't know if you're aware about you know comments gate and mainstream comments you know, Ethan Van Skyver, uh, Richard Meyer, a lot of people, even my man, uh, Eric Weathers, who is my letterer, who does Battle Big Road, they, they, they did 67,000 so far in their Indiegogo. Wow. There's a big beef between that. Hmm. And people are starting to notice that I'm working with more Commons Gate. And so I'm getting excluded from a little bit more conventions from the digital ones. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. It's okay. Uh, but chasm. we'll have those conventions in place for next year. So that's what I'm much more focused on. And on top of that, uh, there's word that Commonsgate has their own convention coming out in uh, Orlando next year. Wow. Uh, that's going to be the first crowdfunded uh, convention. It's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, uh-huh. But that's something that I'm also looking into. So right now, it's just making sure people are getting to the Indiegogo, making sure we get those numbers up. Uh, like I said earlier, we're at 57%. We got 32 days. The new cover came out yesterday. It's uh, going to have some more changes as the next few weeks go along, and hopefully we get more backers uh, before we hit that, that last day. And if it's in demand, I'll keep it in demand even after the campaign is over, so that way people can still claim their books and whatnot. But that's really been just the main focus is just getting that together. All the issues you've dealt with. And, What's up? Uh, can you hear me? Say that one more time. With all the things you've dealt with, with the copyright stuff, with Comixology and Amazon, you don't have any like ill will or bad feelings towards those guys. You're still willing to work with them in the in the future. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. Honestly, I mean, with the Omega Broccoli, I'm willing to put that on Amazon. Uh, yeah. Later, 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 right. and that's right. even right. if we hit our goal. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So that way we can at least have that notion that it's out there for people to go get. Mm-hmm. You know, that's still royalties right there in place. Uh, mm-hmm. But also the cool thing is that that gives me a way to uh, direct sell with my author's copies. 
You know what I mean? Then you know, you, with the the single issue comic books, it only cost me about two seventy five per issue. With the one hundred thirty five, uh, it's only going to cost us like four to five dollars. Not really that bad. So I mean, that's just to print that book. So like again, Amazon is definitely grateful, you know, good to use and that sort of thing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I don't even have to go and try to hunt down another printer. You know, they, I don't have to hunt down another factory so that they hold the books. I can just use Amazon for that. So they do have a lot of benefits, man. I'm not not salty about that at all. Business is business. You just again have to sort have to adapt. You know, you know you got your that. sales that you have from Amazon, but you know you can also sell yourself directly to customers. Right. You know, you're gonna make more of your money if you sell directly to customers. Mm. Yeah, just yeah, because a lot of people think just because issues happen, they immediately burn bridges with those uh companies or whatever. You don't want to burn those bridges. Mm-mm. Yeah, you readjust, you regroup, you make something better, and then you come back later with a better business mind savvy. That way exactly. you won't end up in that same situation. Exactly. exactly. Now, oh, what the big thing that we launched out this week was if we hit the 4,000 stretch goal, we'll do a audio version of Omega Broku. And so, like, that kind of game is something we can get into on Amazon. Or mm-hmm. we can do something like that on Spotify. Uh, I used to deal with CD Baby a lot back in 2017. So I know how to publish music and all that good stuff. It's, you know, it's, it's an option. And it's also, if it's in demand, if people get it to 4,000, then, you know, they get a free copy of that. Also gets us prepared for what happens in the next six months when we put it on Amazon. Right. Okay. Can you um, say so you're a three-man team right now, am I correct? Is you? Uh, right now, it's uh, myself, uh, Eric Weathers, uh, Ed Humiris. Uh, we just brought on Pat- Patrick Ty, who's, mm-hmm. who's a great editor. Uh, okay. He's also making sure that we stay on, keep me on task. Sometimes uh, I get a little bit too far ahead of myself and you know, you got to have somebody there to kind of, I guess, pull the teeth out of the toddler's mouth. Yeah. Keep you in check. Yeah. Keep you in check. Javon's always doing that for me. Just make sure I don't get too ahead of <laughs> You got to have people like that, man. Yeah. The yin and so, your yang, man. Yeah, yeah. So he's got a, 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 a nice thing he's doing with Omega Broku with myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also brought on Mike Anchor. Uh, he's a very, very good artist. Um, he, I, me and him actually went to Academy Art. Uh, okay. But he's a little bit older than me, so he was there way before I was there. But it's crazy how the universe kind of connects you both mm-hmm. whenever you need to be connected. And uh, he's helping out with a lot of background work. Well, I said background work background work to kind of help okay. Ed out with the character designs, you know, mm. putting these pages together. It's uh, really, really tough, you know, and sometimes when you're working on a whole page yourself, you kind of lack on some other things. So having somebody in there to kind of help you with that, do your backgrounds, help you out with the inking, maybe help you out with the, the, the line work, mm. uh, makes you keep the concentration of what you need to do with your characters. And so both of them together, you can look at the, the cover yesterday, that was all of us on that whole cover, making sure that whole thing was dope. And look how good that shit turned out. Yeah, it, and it is amazing. It's probably the best cover it that we looked, came it out. Looked, it looks different when I saw it. Uh, question, though. Um, hmm. I, I'm not, maybe they're not working with you anymore, but I was reading your comment, and on the back it was like illustrated by Jesus Pensino. Am I saying this right? Pisciano. Pisciano and Jonathan yeah. Williams. Are they still with yeah. you as well? Nah, man. You know, those guys have moved on. You know, uh, you know, you get some people, they're not ready for that 
type of move, you know? Okay. In this business, you have to be assertive. You know what I mean? You have to be at the conventions. Mm-hmm. You know, you gotta be, you gotta want to be at the conventions. You gotta want to talk to customers because your customers are the ones who buy your book. Those are people that keep you in business. So not wanting to talk to anybody is only making yourself get shot in the foot. You know what I mean? And then you're shooting the foot of the person that, you know, hired you in the first place. You know what I mean? Because they didn't hire you just to do that. We all are a team. You've got to work together as a team. So, um, you know, even with the stores, you can't not want to talk to the store owners mm-hmm. that buys your books. You know, you got to go by and say, hey, at least thank you. Yeah. Because they don't have to do that. You know, nobody has to do anything in this business. So when you get that opportunity, you need to take that opportunity. <laughs> you know, uh, I always try to reach out to anybody and just say, hey, thank you for buying mm-hmm. our book. I really do appreciate it. You know, thank you to everybody who supports Omega Bot. Uh, thank you to all the stores that picked them up. I always make sure the store owners are in good shape. I mean, that's how you build a brand. That's how you build a business. So if you are lacking that kind of thing, then you don't need to be in this business. And it sounds mm-hmm. harsh. I'm so sorry. It does sound harsh. But at the end of the day, this is a business. You got to gotta have hey, that mindset. It, yeah. It's, it's harsh. You, you can't make friends and expect your friends to – And like, you, got, you can bring your friends. This is my thing. You can bring your friends in. But if they're not going to pull their own weight, you, they'll get dropped just like anybody else. Exactly. And that's that's tough about working with friends like that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, sometimes it doesn't work out. And um, even with myself, sometimes I have to get out of my own way. You know, bringing in people like Patrick, bringing in people uh, like Sean James. He's another one of uh, good people. Uh, bringing them on and just kind of stepping back out of the scene and just letting see how everybody work out together. That's also something that I had to learn, too. And uh, again, that's what making Omega Broccoli a lot better right now. Um, so it's a learning experience on everybody's part. On yeah. everybody's part. Yeah. Just uh, you, when you're building a company from the ground up, trust me, I ain't got no time to play. I, I trust. I know from experiences, you don't have time to play. You don't play. have time, and each decision right. you make is good Crucial. or bad. It's going mm-hmm. to affect your pockets in any type of way. Exactly. Good or bad. So it's like, yeah. So you can't just play games. And like this is your money come out of your pocket, so it's like anything that I do, anything that I make decision wise, it's got to be for the benefit of everyone, including myself, because like this is this is your business. Yeah. What it is. And and you know you set out times for people. It's not like you throw schedules up on on folks, you know. Uh, yeah. So you let people know ahead of time what shows are supposed to be. You have to mm-hmm. adjust to that. So if if I tell you you got a show in the next two months. And in two months, you're not ready for the show. Like, whose fault is that? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That is. That's you have no excuse. Yeah. It's not right. like a story by now, but there, yeah, but woo. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you can't be successful with that. You, you, there is no way in hell. No yeah. way in hell. If you don't care about your product like that, how the hell is somebody else is going to care about it? That's right. true. And you're the one pushing it. So. Definitely, definitely need those people to do their part. Just taking a step back for a second, you have Omega Baraku, which was Omega Black. Mm-hmm. What were the early stages, any early names that you had in the beginning? Like, what were you planning on calling in the very beginning? I know you had the Omega Black and the Baraku 
But was there any other potential names? Candidates. Or- yeah. Nah, nah, actually. It was uh, all Clean cut? black from the beginning. Okay. It was kind of weird. Um, I was sitting down and I was just going over the script and trying to figure out all right, what would be a cool name for this. Mm-hmm. I need a new, I need a cool name. And uh, I don't know, Omega is something that I really like to like because, you know, you got Omega Red. Uh, I really like X-Men, so I wanted to kind of, I, I guess you want to say, pay a little homage to that because you do want to pay homage to, to the things and the people that came before you, mm-hmm. you know? To the greats, yeah. And uh, Black, uh, it just sounded cool. So I just put those together and it was like Omega Black. And I was like, damn, that is actually pretty fucking dope. Yeah. Let's go with Omega Black. Fuck it. Hey. And then went on ahead with Omega Black. Now, the change came actually two weeks ago. Um a lot of stuff is going on, man. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of shit is going on. And uh, a, a lot of uh, businesses are being hit, too. Like, the, the, the business that does our hoodies, they were hit. So that wasn't pretty good for everybody. And uh, people started associating Omega Black with uh, Black Lives Matter. And um, most of my customers, well, 75% of my customers are not even Black. The people that keep me in business in this whole three-year span, there are people from all kinds of colors. People that I didn't even think that would be into my product. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, I don't want to bring them into an atmosphere where it's like this right now because it's all love. It was all love from the beginning. And uh, this is a good way to just kind of keep that. And the real readers, they know what it is. They know it's still black, you know? But they know this is a good way to not only keep the people, the political people away from it, but also just keeps the real people who are really fans of the series with the series. Right. And it's a real manga series now. Mm -hmm. It sounds way more manga. Uh, Like, again, I was telling you before, if we're going to do this thing and people consider us to be mangans, then we need to do it the right way. We need to go back, rebrand it. Uh, redo the books and Japanese uh, for, uh, trans- tradition. Uh, we need to do that all the right way. And then people like uh, Akira Yasuda uh, start liking some of the images. People like my man Hutoshi Kuno mm-hmm. started hitting us up and was like, yo, I'm really digging your images. And like, uh, they introduced me to uh, my man Royal, I can't Royal Rakasaki. I can't think, I'm butchering the shit out of his last name. I do this. <laughs> but, I do every time I'm talking about somebody. But, don't even worry about it. But he used to work on the old school Santai's uh, over at Toy Animations. So mm. it was like, oh shit, okay, for real. And he was like, you, you like? I like the style, even though motherfucker can't speak English. You got to use, you know, Google Translate. It's like, yeah, I like the style, and it's and it's cool, and and I kind of want to keep it like that, man. Mm-hmm. Like, if we're so gonna do this, the art style different than the original is it roughly the same or is it it's, it's a, a little tweak it's much more okay. manga it's okay. much more manga if you look at the original mega black there was a lot of western that you you saw yes yeah yes. you yes. know yes. and I, I was gonna definitely question you on, on why you went the western route versus the eastern route but even it looked exactly. like you already figured that out so it, it looks I'm like it's all you, together now. <laughs> yeah i'm seeing what i mean like you know and again even with omega black the original people were still looking at us as mangas mm-hmm. and it was like you know what we're gonna do this again let's let's rebrand it man you know this is the perfect time to do it you know um uh, there's no other time other than now and you know and just go with it hey and just so, rip the band-aid off yeah, yeah. because i'm not with me reading it and looking through 
I know you said it's it's supposed to be a traditional manga. I got the feel of more comic book because of the art style. Yeah. Yeah, and I no offense to you at all. I still enjoyed it. I got the more comic book. I was in my mind, and we'll get to it later. I was thinking more of a comic books alt Superman kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably you probably heard that before. Yeah. But, yes. And yeah. uh yeah, so it was like I was reading it, I was like, art style kind of got a DC marvelous look to it. So I'm glad you made the change and and then trust me, I will be purchasing that new issue. Hell, man, I purchased on it, man. I purchased uh, the, issue number the, two the last pack, week. So the 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 last pack is 15 bucks for just the book itself. We just put a, a pack up there this week where you can buy three copies at 20% off. And I think that's like 40 bucks. bucks. You know what I mean? You can like flip that too, make that money back off, or you can just give them off to your homies and friends either way. No, I'm you know, keeping those keeping out there. This one because you signed it. Oh, yes. Yes. And when you get rich, that's a collector's item. Collector's now. item. I'm literally like, <laughs> hey, rich hey, famous. Hey. I'm gonna be like, look, I got the only original Mega Black, a re- old name. So when yeah. the day come, when your hey, when you up, got your anime going, you got your anime studio going. I'm be like, look, I got this dog. How much is we? the good news about that the good news about that we had a partner with Sanag Animation Studios in the Philippines Mm -hmm. Uh, very good guys Uh, we worked with them last year Okay. Uh, we were supposed to go ahead and do a like a a teaser skit for everybody Uh, but in COVID happened they kind of scrapped half of the things and we was one of the things that got scrapped yeah, hey, that's man. part of the game, man. You know, it's hey, part of the great. game. No, hey, no shame to them. They got some great stuff. Hopefully, we'll work with them in the future. Uh, but right now, this is a time to again rebrand, refocus. Mm-hmm. You know, get these numbers up. This is something that people can see compared to like Kickstarter. Uh, you know, uh, Kickstarter the way they do that. You know, they take the money out at the end of the campaign, mm-hmm. so you can raise like ten thousand dollars in three hours. You feel me? But if those people don't have that shit in that account by the end of that campaign, that ten thousand might come into two hundred. Versus Indiegogo, you know, we raised up two thousand three hundred in the first two weeks. Uh, that's a hardcore sales. Those are real customers. So again, if that goes to anybody who even wants to get into the business of publishing, mm-hmm. uh, I would definitely suggest going more of the Indiegogo route versus the. Kickstarter out because you actually know what your real numbers are. You know where your real customers are going to be. You know where the demand is going to be. And uh, it just keeps you more adjusted. It keeps you more adjusted. Okay. Okay. Wow. Who knew? Who knew? This is, <laughs> my mind's blown. I, 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 I'm absorbing it like a sponge. I'm absorbing it like a sponge. <laughs> you're, kicking a, you're kicking a lot of knowledge our way right now, man, with all these things. Ooh-hoo. Man, I'm gonna dig into your past a little bit more. Seeing as yeah. that you was raised in South Carolina, how Hopkins do, and Columbia. How do you? How does someone that grew up in South Carolina become a? Uh, I, I was about to say a big time success in comics and manga. Well, I don't consider myself a big time success yet. But I mean, coming. we did a, we did coming. a lot of work, but mm-hmm. you know, we still have a long way to go. But how does somebody from South Carolina end up wanting to live in San Francisco and create and illustrate his own manga, his characters, stories, potential anime? 
all that. This young black man, by the way. Aw. Yeah. <laughs> well, my first uh, um, thing is I grew up in like a real Christian household, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, South Carolina is a Bible belt. <laughs> true, true. And um, so things like Pokemon, Power Rangers, uh, comic books, they weren't even allowed in, in the house. You know what I mean? Uh, I had an older brother who would keep his comic books in a shoebox. And uh, that's where I, I would go in his room and I'd go in his shoebox and he had Spawn. Spawn was one of the, the first books I actually started reading as a kid. And uh, I still look up the Todd McFarlane to this day. Um, but that kind of got me into wanting to know more. And then mm-hmm. Milestone came out. Static Shot was one another, another favorite hero of mine. Um, then my cousins who were in Japan, they started coming back here and they were bringing in manga, they were bringing in the Shonen Jump. And I'm like, who the fuck is this? Dragon Ball? What is this? He's like, you need to see this. It's the future. <laughs> I'm like, all right. And you thought I they were crazy. In. You thought they were crazy. <laughs> you know, I, I, I started looking at, you know, a lot of Kira Toyama's work. Then mm-hmm. uh, I got into like Sansea with uh, uh, Masami. Oh, I'm trying to. Kumara, I think his last name is, but he won't who created Saint Seiya. Another, another fucking great one. Another OG. Tetsuhana, you know, Fist of the North Star. That's another one that I got into. Um, and then Death Note. Death Note is also a, a really big one. Uh, and it was like, you're reading all this, you're consuming all this. Why not add to the rest of the, the great storytelling? Mm. Why not just take a, the time to just do it? And so I did it. Tried to never look back after since. And then uh, 2000, well, well, last year, my first guest appearance was in uh, Phoenix at Ace mm-hmm. Comic Con. And mm-hmm. guess who I was there with? Todd McFarlane. So oh, the first man. book I actually picked up as a kid, then doing comics and doing my first guest appearance, I also got a chance to see the first person that I actually got me into reading comics. And then the crazy shit about this was, was that I was talking to Phil Ortiz. He's a animator for the Simpsons. Well, he used to be one of the animators for the Simpsons. And we were talking, he was signing my board and he was giving me this, oh, you gotta be in here for the business. You can't be here for like the money and da 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 da. You know, real old old man talk. Um, Then I hear this, Chris Brown, what the hell you doing over here? And I'm like, who the hell is talking to me like this? I don't know who this is. You know, we about to scrap or some shit. And I look over, and it's fucking Todd McFarlane. And all I could say was, wait, what? He knew who you were. He knew who you were. And I was like, no, he ain't talking to me. He must be talking to the other Chris Brown. This motherfucker must be And he walked up to me, and he shook my hand, and I was like, yo, you actually talking to me. I was like, fuck, dude. I, I like... Thank you. <laughs> That's all I can say. I was so starstruck. And uh, signed on board and everything. And it was a pretty cool conversation and kind of went on my day. And you look at I don't that. know. It was interesting. But then you find out that Todd is a perfectionist in his brain. So you not being behind your booth is a big mistake. Big you're at a convention. You're supposed to be behind the booth at all times. Because you never know who you're missing. Who you never know who you're missing. You. Yeah. You know what I mean? But usually, again, I sell out of conventions. So, like, uh, by the time we were even talking, I had already sold out of my stash. So when I sell out, 
I usually go around to all the other people's tables, people that see me, people that bought for me, and I get them to sign my board because, again, you never know when you're going to get an opportunity to even come back. You know, you never know what the fuck is going to happen in life. And it just so happens that that whole interaction happened, and I just wish, I was like, shit, man, I wish I could have told him that, you know, I sold out of the books, that's why I'm walking around, but, yeah, I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't, ex- you, what, what do you say when you meet somebody that you look up to? It's just kind of hard to have that conversation, because you think you yeah. but when it does yeah. happen, it, it's not there. And then, then I met Christopher Priest. And uh, that whole thing was uh, pretty dope. And I still talk to Priest. Priest is a very cool guy. Um, you know, I like his work on Black Panther. If you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, looked at the movie, a lot of the, the, the comic books that he took from, took from a lot of Christopher Priest's work, uh, which is fucking dope that they used him in that, in that process. I'm very, right. very happy about that. So meeting him in person, uh, that was pretty fucking dope. And then he sat me down in front of his table he had a whole line of people. He's like, Chris, Chris, sit down. Sit down in front of me. I'm like, okay, all right, this is weird. And the whole line is sitting there just looking at me like, who is this dude that nobody's ever heard of? He's just sitting here in front of Christopher Priest talking like they're regular people. Come to find out my, my booth was on the other side. We still ended up selling like uh, 320 comic books that week. And we sold out, which is pretty fucking dope. Uh, it was cool, man, when you see people like that and they tell you, you know, the history about the industry and what they had to go through and, you know, how they wish, you know, they were able to do the things independently with their own creations and Mm -hmm. the risk that goes into this business and all, and how important it is to have ownership of your characters, ownership of your work, uh, how to market yourself and promote yourself, being around other people who are in the business, knowing the winger, all that stuff is important. I'm, 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 I'm notes, notes, baby, notes, baby, notes. This man <laughs> is a legend, ladies and gentlemen. I have to say, I'm very glad, you know, we were able to get, you know, a, a man of your abilities onto the podcast, you know, props to JC, you know, and thanks to you, obviously, Chris, for even taking the time to come speak with us because, you know, there are people like you who are who are out there living their dreams and taking taking the opportunity and leaping forward and and we have to be, you know, able to highlight people like yourself uh and we had a guest on last week uh, blurred over you know who doing the same thing and taking the opportunity just to say this is something i believe in 100 percent, and you're just driving forward no matter what's in your way you know and i, and I just want to highlight and just you know appreciate that because not oh, a lot man. of people are willing to do that and and taking that step little by little and all the lessons you're learning are, are allowing you to have this success even even where it is right now and and more to come so well it's a long road it's a long road it definitely uh, is it don't matter road. what route you take it, it's a long <laughs> road. it'd be nice it'd be nice to get out of san francisco because the business tax here is so goddamn expensive <laughs> once you make some profit you have to give it back to the goddamn city it's like fuck okay <laughs> shit <laughs> Got it, got it, got to turn out, but it's like, oh, hey, Vegas yeah. is cheaper. Oh, where, where? Vegas is a lot cheaper. Nah, man, people have been telling me about Vegas. That's one place I'm actually looking at. Vegas, hey. Texas. Uh, I got a lot of family in Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm trying to go to where the business taxes is not hella. hella I don't expensive. think the business tax is super high because they already don't have a state tax anyway in, in mm-hmm. Vegas. So I don't know about the business tax itself, but I'm pretty sure it's not even touching San Francisco. So, <laughs> yeah, boy, I'm telling you, these people here, 
Oh, God damn. Yeah. I, I, and I would say, you know, uh, I'm curious about that uh, besides that as well. Where do you think the biggest, uh, because you mentioned your, your, you know, your fan bases who've shown you a lot of love into the success that you already have. Uh, do you think it's just, you know, and it seems like you're getting that true international love. Are you getting more love here in the United States? Or do you think that the international community is responding a lot more to your manga? The international is definitely responding a lot more. Uh, like Canada, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Canada is very cheap to send stuff out there. So big shots out to the people in Canada. Uh, (laughs) uh, but it is tough here it's so much again politics man Mm -hmm. so much politics going into this business and you know with people inside this this industry so many politics involved and it's tough it's tough dude Uh, especially if you stand with certain folks you Mm kind of like exclude it you know what I mean Um, which it shouldn't be that way you should be known for your work and your work ethic and then how you treat people, not mm-hmm. who you're affiliated with. Um, it's, it's, it's tough. And 2018, I was approached by uh, somebody at Marvel. Okay. Um, and they wanted to ask me about if, you know, will it be cool to see Omega Black in their, in their book? And I was like, eh, not really. Uh, but then, I don't know, they offered me $250 for my creation just $250 and a lot of people in this business they just say that that's the starting out tool before you can negotiate for more mm. but still the other disrespect is just saying wait a minute you want to pay me like $250 for everything that I've done and you know what that $250 now I'm just stuck in the gutter and you're, you're like nah, where are the extra zeros sir yeah where are the extra zeros and I was like hell no I, I'm not doing that B and <laughs> And then ever since uh, that happened, I haven't been invited to a Bay Area convention, mm. and uh, which kind of forced me to go down to L.A. Uh, a big shout out to a shop called Quest. Uh, before they had closed down, three of their stores were carrying Omega Black comic books. Um, so that was a lot of love coming from them. I really appreciate that. Uh, but again, yeah, it's, it's tough here in the Bay Area. It's just so political. It's really political. Mm. If you're not standing with the right crowd or saying the right things, then, you know, you're not going to get to where you need to be. And sometimes that, you have to yeah, find that, other routes. That $250, you're giving up all control just for $250. Exactly. exactly. And big shout out to Commonsgate, the Commonsgate community. That's also uh, another group of people that's here in the United States that's showing me so much love for my business, buying the books. Some people buy it double times just so that way they can have it double times. You know what I mean? I think that's a lot of love. Uh, mm-hmm. They've been sharing the, the campaign uh, on Twitter. That way I don't have to deal with the Twitter crowd that often, which is mm-hmm. so much love to them. I, again, appreciate it to them. And uh, it, you, you find so many people. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of people who love books, man. A lot of people would definitely spend money for them, but you just, you know, you got to get past the bullshit. Of course, of course. On that and note, my French. I'm so sorry if I cuss. Oh out, man. man, this is what I'm gonna tell you. Like I tell everybody else that we try to speak to on here, I'm the worst when it comes to my language on the show. Okay, <laughs> so I don't give a shit. So say it how you gonna say it. It's okay. We're it's not show. trying to One thing about my show, I want people to be as comfortable as possible. Talk how you want to talk. As long as you're respectful to me and my people and all we doing on here, we are good. So. Be relaxed and talk how you want to talk. 
I don't give a damn. So on hey, that man. note, <laughs> on that note, we're gonna take a little bit of a break. We're gonna ask you a lot more questions on the way. For sure. My anime list gets longer every day. For sure. All right, all right. You're right back. For a second. Welcome back to My Anime List Gets Longer Every Day. All my nerds, blurs, geeks, and dweebs, listeners, watchers, all you out there. But before we continue this interview, I meant to do this before we even started. I would like to say RIP to the great Chadwick Boseman, the Black Panther, Jackie Robinson, you yeah. name me, Donnie. He probably got a bunch of movies that ain't even come out yet. This man has meant so much to our community in such a short time, and he will continue to be a big part of our community as we get older through this crazy life that we live. Again, rest in peace to the great one, Mr. Chadwick Boseman. So we give like a short yeah. moment of silence for this man, and then we will continue with our interview. And if anybody else has anything to say, please do so. All right, so I know, I know how I know how I felt. I know when we heard that news last night, man, it was it was almost like I was like, y'all gotta be lying, man. Twenty twenty yeah. can't keep this can't break. can't can't keep up. Uh, yeah, it, man, that was tough. That's tough. It it um a lot a lot of people know that Bozeman got his start due to another great black actor's charity and willingness to give back to his community and that got a shout out to mr denzel washington for giving bozeman the opportunity to get his start and do what he needed to do to be able to be the impact that he is for everybody wasn't else. he in his boys and girls club yeah he course, yeah. did a it was like a theater program where you know washington got his start from that program you know over his time of becoming an actor and you know denzel wanted to give back and do his impact and you know it's just good to see that that commitment to his craft commitment to his people commitment to the good of helping others gave so much from that small gift and look what have Bozeman gave as on top of that. So all you can do is just show love and just be thankful and be appreciative for the good that that man has done for, for so many people across the world. Yeah, man. Damn Shout right. out to T.O. Hanna, man. Um, yeah. A lot of people don't know that he went to that high school and that was in uh, close to Clemson, South Carolina, uh, right in that area. Uh, my auntie actually taught him. So like, I'm pretty sure that school is definitely impacted by the loss, um, but another great man, what's, what's South Carolina. In South Carolina, a lot of greatness comes out of South Carolina, man. What's that? <laughs> it's something in the water. Yeah, I was going to be something in the water. Florida, Florida gets the, know. the dregs, but uh, South Carolina gets the gets the quality. <laughs> <laughs> you got uh, you got Chadwick. You had uh, Kevin Garnett, mm -hmm. uh, Ray Allen, um, Chuck Brown, who's another comic book artist. He got his own series as well. I think he just won an Eisner Award. Uh, he's from out there in South Carolina. It's a lot of talent, man. It's a lot of talent. Yeah, man. But big shout out to T.L. Hannah. Yeah. I know they def definitely uh, looked up to him there as high school kids. So, so I appreciate those kind words, gentlemen. But we're going to get back to this interview. And I want to speak on 
Omega Baraku. 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 I love it. I have to say, I love the upgrade. It gives it so much passion and energy. I want to speak on it just a little bit longer. And it's mainly more about the comic itself than the business side of it, okay? And like I said before in the pre in the pre-production, like you don't have to answer these questions. It's more from a fan. For sure. Um and we already spoke about the name of, of what, you know, where you changed it, where it came from, things like that. So we're going to skip that question. Sure. My, my big, one of my biggest questions is like, you know, reading the first issue and as, as captivating as I got into it and ca- as I was, why the family conflict and what made you go that route? Well, you know, the whole thing was you can have a whole planet that looks like you, mm-hmm. but even if you have one person that has one kind of conflict, there's still always going to be war. You know what I mean? So that's how I kind of wanted to go about that. Uh, the whole thing about Shua, he was just wanting to have his time at power. You know, uh, he really felt like that was something that should have been bestowed upon him. And that was a lot more <clears throat> of storytelling within 135 pages that I didn't get to showcase within that 40. So you'll see a lot more of why he felt that way in Omega Baraku. And then that'll give you a much more indication like, oh shit, damn, he is kind of rough. <laughs> but that's that's how I wanted to go with that. Now, I, you know, this is just me in terms of, you know, being curious in terms of uh, overall, I, I want to say it's a little bit into character design, not too much into it, you know, because we'll cover that a little bit later. Um, but in terms of styles, like in terms of how certain characters might be more passive or aggressive, or did you want to try to have a more, not necessarily generic stereotype of this is a more of a power character, this is more of a leadership character? Did you have, um, you know, when you were kind of breaking down your storyboards, what were you kind of thinking in terms of how the power spectrum would go? Uh, well, Jafar himself is the top power. Um, Shula second, then there's Milja. Uh, Bors is more of like a, a, he's a, he's a big, big, big character, like a Hulk, but his character is like wanting to just be on the winning team. Right. Uh, And I didn't kind of get that showcase within that 40 pages. Again, we were very limited with uh, the resources we had to put that together. Uh, But going back to the Omega Obaku, you'll see a lot more character development within the characters that I didn't get to kind of do in that initial single issue. Yeah. So there's a lot, story. there is a, 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 a certain amount of character uh, traits that those characters have that I didn't get to showcase before. A lot uh, more. Okay, okay. I'll be so definitely yeah, looking I did, forward to that. I did want to do that. It's just, mm-hmm. again, we just couldn't do it within the 40 pages. I'm looking forward to your combination of kind of breaking in uh, the story and mixtures with uh, nice origin stories. You know, uh, a lot of great uh, artists and authors have done it over time to do that really well. And I'm very excited to see you really universe expand. And and because you literally are kind of dealing with the universe to see how you expand. So I'm very excited to see that. Another thing that I didn't get to kind of cover, I didn't cover at all in the single issues was the Centurions. The Centurions is like my version of the Truffles. And um, they brought science technology to Planet Omega. Uh, that is where Cleo comes in. Cleo is not a full Omega being. She's a, she's a Centurion. 
So James, our main character, is half Omega being and half Centurion, which is really the big conflict of why Shula is trying to take over the throne. Mm-hmm. And I'm already giving a little bit too much of what is going to be until that story. <laughs> I am just listening. <laughs> <laughs> so you're learning more about the Centurions and how they crash landed on Planet Omega and why they were, you know, only able to stay on Planet Omega and why they couldn't go off. And it, it was a lot of stuff that were done uh, between the two. And, you know, I didn't bring in the Destroyer. Uh, there's a Destroyer. There's a whole God uh, uh, system that I have, too. Oh, Ooh. snap. God system. Look at it, JC. My man's <laughs> ready to go. He's like, you might have this. You ain't even seen what's on page two yet. Yeah. So, like, the original thing, and this is what my other story that I worked on called History of Forgotten Sons, is, like, the prequel to everything. So you have this being called the All. He's sort of like my version of the Living Tribunal for Marvel. Um, he's the one who created these seven beings called the Alinians. And these Alinians were fighting amongst each other, just basically trying to run up each other's power level. And then one of the brothers kind of broke the limit between all of them, got way stronger. And the other brothers were jealous. And that kind of brought in, you know, hate, envy, jealousy, all those entities into the, to the universe. Mm-hmm. And they killed that brother. And um, the brother actually ended up creating a whole entire universe within his death. And out of that universe was Planet Omega. And so that's how Planet Omega became to be. And um, there is these beings that the Alitneys created called the gods and the destroyers. And the way that they are worked is one has to go out there and create the universes. The other one goes and destroys them. But they have to be in balance with each other. Sort of like how you see in Dragon Ball Super a little bit. Kind of uh, the Avatar some, Rava Vatu yeah. a little bit there, Korra. Somebody okay. has to always have those positions. Mm-hmm. Somebody always has to be the destroyer. Somebody always has to be the builder. If one of those beings ceases to exist, then the whole universe will go completely. So, like, you have those, and then they, they, they have their guardians. Sort of like my shot to the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And they're called, like, a, just... Ah, they have different names and they're from different cultures and different alien races, but those are the ones that are chosen to be those four to protect the destroyer and another four to, to protect the, the builder. Okay. So like the destroyer is actually sending out one of their servants to Planet Omega whenever they break the rules. And that is how Jafar's father was killed because he actually stood up to them, made the sacrifice in order the Centurions and Omega beings can live together in peace and harmony, but they can only stay on planet Omega. So you're seeing a lot of that in Omega Braku. And uh, it's just, again, expanded the universe a little bit. And Ken, really getting in there to put that inspiration and that personal touch behind it. I can can hear your passion bleeding through, Chris. (laughs) I can hear it bleeding through, through and through. Definitely gonna have to cop that newest Braku one. I got quite another question of mine. This is almost uh, like a fan theory. <laughs> is the Orion family, which is the name of the seven that are above all on uh, planet Omega, mm-hmm. did you base them off Orion's belt? Yeah. I thought so. When I, I based them off Orion's belt, and I based the, spa- the, the species off the sands. A lot of people think I, I thought of, uh, you know, the Superman and all that. I really based it off the sands. Ah. Like they actually, when they're in full white eyes, is when they're fully connected to the Omega stream, sort of like how Super Saiyans come alive. Mm-hmm. And when they're not in full power, their eyes is like regular. So when you see James, uh, 
in chapter two, when he's when you finally get to see him and know his character, he's not connected to Omega Stream just yet. He hasn't unlocked that power, so his eyes can't go fully white until a certain amount of time. And then he has to train himself in order to to take that mm-hmm. and to 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 keep that power. So again, I, I based that whole thing off the the Ryan's belt, and I based the species off the sands. Awesome. When I was yeah, I'm a big fan of Akira Toriyama, so I wanted to again <laughs> show his some, some tribute. To show yeah. his love. When I was reading it, I was like, okay, this sounds vaguely familiar in certain situations. <laughs> so I started googling. A lot, of, a lot of people got the Superman and Zod out of it. Mm. I did too, but I didn't stick with that because the more I started reading, I was like, okay, when he described the family of seven, I was like. And I looked at my wife, how many stars are in Orion's belt? I asked her that. It's like, I was, and I started Googling it. There are seven, but there are three or four of the brightest stars that, that surround the other three. Mm-hmm. So the brightest stars, then you have the lower tier. And I was mm-hmm. like, that reminds me of Orion's belt. I didn't get the Saiyans part of it. I didn't see that. But now that I think about it, I do. But that connection with Orion's belt, I was like, okay, he's going. He's a he's a, a big astronomy fan. He's in the stars right now. That's what I thought. <laughs> well, I kind of got that from Sansea. My love for Sansea. Hmm. Uh, a lot of Sansea, yeah. they, they they do the whole constellation, the Pegasus. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I really like that. So uh, again, it's like a, a tribute to that one as well. Okay. Okay. So yeah, like you already answered most of it. Like your inspirations behind the, the story itself. You said the sands. Said Saint Sarah, all the astronomy. So it's like continuing to go forward, building your universe. Mm-hmm. And I don't know yet because, again, I haven't read them all, but I'm planning on reading it. Is it like you're gonna be mostly like in space, and and of course, if he's headed to Earth, well, I'm assuming. Are you gonna have those conflicts then? Where you got Earth versus? You know, the Omegas, are they going to be conflict that way? You're trying to get mm-hmm. the sign back and him not knowing his heritage. He's going to be fighting for the earth versus, I know I'm getting deep in it. And you might not be able to yeah. answer it. <laughs> <laughs> within reason, Chris, within, within reason, reason, whatever you okay. can, whatever you can actually give. I mean, honestly, you can have your editor chapter, <laughs> chapter one and issue one is mm-hmm. just the, the origin origin. So like that's the only time that you're going to see space for a long, long, long time. Okay. Even like, because right now I just finished chapter one fourteen, and and I'm actually trying to work in the space now because now Milja is back into the scene, and um, that's how he's going to learn more about his heritage. I don't mind giving you that out because it's still so much more to go into that whole thing, mm-hmm. but like uh, it is going to work itself out to where he has to go into outer space on certain. Avengers and certain sagas. Um, there's so many other things that's going on. Like the first saga is dealing with him and his first nemesis. The second saga is uh, Android saga. Um, the third saga is I'm bringing demons into the mix, and you got a whole other realm that he has to deal with, and it's just adding more as the time goes on. Okay. Well, speaking of all these characters in the world, because you know I'm a big, you know person into background and designing so it was really nice to hear you say that location location locations will be immense don't worry about it we're going all over the place so i'm very excited about that but when it comes to the characters you know every 
artists, even speaking to your own like uh, uh, mentor there to a degree, uh, Toriyama, you know, for as big as the, the Dragon Ball universe is, there are certain characters that he doesn't like and certain characters that he needs or associates with, but he he doesn't care as much. In this case, Vegeta. So so with you, you know, being you know, actually able to steer the craft where you want. Is there a character that you've leaned towards that you personally love or um, that you or your designers kind of have um, slated to not necessarily be like the Sasuke of the series and kind of carry it on the back end, but is there mm -hmm. a back end character just that would you think holds your personal love besides like a negative character art, like the big MC? Like a negative character art, like the, like Vegeta, uh, one that starts out negative and turns positive throughout the series. Well, you can have a negative character art and a maybe just a favorite character in general. I'll take um, or, even, or even a rival, like you creating that character too. I mean, as of right now, my favorite character is James. Mm -hmm. um, but the first nemesis first you get in the, the 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 first nemesis you get in the first saga is a character called Blaze. Um, he's a really, 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 really good character. Uh, starts out very, very evil, mm. but gradually churns himself throughout the series. And it's going to be kind of amazing to see that. Mm -hmm. uh, a big thing about him, uh, I kind of introduced him in the second issue, uh, the the truck scene. Mm. You know, the guy that got blown up in the truck when yeah, James yeah, was trying yeah. to save the dog. I haven't uh, gotten that far yet. I haven't even got the issue. I'm so sorry if I spoiled that for you. You done spoiled. I, really I was am. like, I was like, what? I'm so What's sorry. <laughs> um, so that is that is actually Blaze right there, but that's his him as a human. Uh, he's gonna be blaming James for a lot of things. So uh, uh, the the first saga is basically him just trying to get him back for turn him into some other kind of being. Okay. Um, okay. So that's that's a really good character. Okay. Uh, he goes through so many transformations, so many transformations, but he's, he's really dope. And then when the, the first like big battle on earth, you're really going to see a lot of cool things coming from him and, you know, with the other characters. So James okay. is your favorite. James is my favorite right now. Who's your least favorite? My ah. least favorite is Shula. Shula <laughs> is like my least favorite because he's an I asshole. I thought you were going to say that. I thought you were gonna... <laughs> I actually like Shula. Really? Yeah, yeah I, I, I based him off of uh, Thanos, Frieza, and Cell. I like those uh, characters. Those are some yeah, characters. I, I, I like the characters too. He's he's a, he's much of an asshole, but he's in a way I like him because mm. he really does drive the story forward. Um, but these actions is really just like, God damn it, Shula, you fucking dick. <laughs> it was like because the end of. The first issue of Omega Black, and she was like, "I'm doing this for my people." Blah blah blah, and and then Jafar was like, "You don't even know what I've been doing." Yeah, that's the thing. Shula doesn't really understand about the uh, the destroyers mm -hmm. and the builders and the all and all of that shit. He doesn't know, but he's going to know. <laughs> I don't want to. He's going to know, and he is coming back. I like it wasn't the fact that he's my favorite and in technically he is my favorite. I just like mm. the development that he's I see the development he's gonna have. Oh, wait until you see this. Yeah. Wait until wait till you see him like, and Omega Brock. I, I I was able to really tell the Shula character in the way I, I was originally supposed to 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 tell him in the first place. And okay. I should have done it in the first place. That was my right. mistake as a creator. But I, you learn. 
But he has this attack called Giga Flash, where oh. he like opens his mouth really, really wide, and he just lets out this huge ass Kai blast. And I'm telling you, oh my gosh, the way Ed drew it, it looks so goddamn good. <laughs> so this is Baraku. So, yeah, this is an okay. Omega Baraku. Okay, okay. He has a he has a couple of moves that I, I wanted to to initially tell in the, in the first issue. Like he has Giga Flash, and he has this thing called Spirit Sword, where he kind of like uh, uses his energy to turn his hand into a blade. Ooh. Oh my gosh, so much more development, and it makes me hate him even more. But I still like him. I hate him, <laughs> but I like him. <laughs> Do you? This is one thing I would like to ask all honestly storytellers, illustrators, all that stuff. Do you ever write yourself in a hole where the character is too powerful? No. Uh, no, with Jafar, he's powerful, but even against the Destroyer, he's not powerful at all. So it's not like I made him too, too OP. Um, even with James, um, even with him being connected to the Omega Stream, when he comes into his powers, he's not going to be OP. He's not going to be able to handle that energy. He's still got to train his body. Um, I always try to kind of put that on to my characters. Um, and I actually, you know, that. I want to speak to that for a second. And, and JC yeah. can speak to that as well. You know, we've discussed this on the podcast before where certain, even the bigger name animes that or animes have done really well over the years, some people have questioned, and this is fan bases all over, have questioned power, strength, and training, and things of that nature. I personally think you know, they have to walk hand in hand. So uh, I'm going to hit a few kind of over the over the, the course of a list and you'll see what I mean. So Naruto's uh, growth over time makes sense all the way to get to Sage Mode. Everything mm-hmm. after that, okay, you'll bend and break. But even to Sage Mode, through the training, through Jirai's old school training, boom. That makes sense. Yeah. Then you've got like a Hunter x Hunter. Gon didn't just become Gon over time. Gon had to train even with natural abilities got to that point and shout out to the, some more people on the current side so my hero academia and deku's slowly but surely is gonna get stronger and the yep. same thing with just Luffy don't have and him, one piece just don't have james as dumb as deku please no no he's not um he has this uh teacher named nagar hatoshi and he's like uh his teacher he's actually homeschooled so, like, his homeschool teacher is also his martial arts teacher. So, like, uh, his first technique that he's going to oh, learn. Oh, I have legs. Gonna... I can use them. You know. <laughs> I'm not just a body. <laughs> yeah. So, his first technique that he learns is Taekwondo. So, you see a lot of that in the first saga. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he learns a little bit more. Wang Chong is another thing that he starts to learn. Uh, but, again, he's not going to be, like, uh... over time, you'll see his growth. By the time he hits that Omega Stream and be fully powered, then you'll see, like, all right, everything he's been through ever since Chapter 1 or ever since Chapter 2 has definitely paid off. That's the route that I am going with, with James. With Jafar, the story is not focused on him. So, like, I wanted Jafar to be the example to show you what his power could be if James were able to train, able to uh, connect to the Omega Stream like his dad did. And even then, that was from what you showed. That was only like half of what mm-hmm. he did. So that, if that, to be honest with you, now I think about mm-hmm. it. No, I, Jafar has a lot of uh, uh, like he has this thing called cosmic cosmic blaze, mm-hmm. and like I didn't get to show that in the, the the initial chapter. Now you're able to see that 
and see his other attacks. Like, uh, there's some really cool stuff he's able to do, but he's like my All Might. He's just an example. He's not, he's not uh, there to be there. He's just to mm-hmm. show you what it could be, the what possibilities. The potential. The potential. So, yeah. Read the story. This is one thing I was kind of confused on. Um, you can elaborate since I got you here. When his wife was having the baby, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't remember who said it, it was like, uh, Jafar was, this was be Jafar's weakest point. So when we attack, we still could lose, but if we do it together, we could possibly win. Why is Jafar at his weakest? I mean, come on now. I have, I'm divorced. I had a child, you know, um, when you in that mode, I'm not going to front all your guard goes down. Mm. Your whole entire guard goes, goes down everything really. Cause everything is about. Her, everything is about the baby. So I kind of wrote that in Jafar for myself and in a perspective, you know? And um, that's how I wanted to go about it with that. Because that is going to be your weakest time. And who's going to be the one to bring the fight to your doorstep, your own blood? Because that is yeah. truly, that's truly weak. I thought that was interesting, though. That, that sounds like a power storyline to ripped out and just put in your face and just... <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a power sandwich. I, the reason why I, I love that one, and I, I don't have kids yet, so I couldn't clarify how you were trying to explain it. But the reason mm-hmm. I do enjoy that is because I look at it as in every anime, every manga we read, it's always... The wife is powerful, but mm-hmm. she's in her weakest point when she's giving birth. Like in Naruto, she's, mm-hmm. uh, Kushina is all one of the strongest characters in Naruto, but when she was giving birth, her seal was weakened, so Kuruma can get out and you can be taken away from her. So I thought, okay, he's doing that, but in reverse, and it's going to be on him. I didn't Pretty know much, why yeah. it was on Jafar, right, right. but I, I felt like it had to be some type of reason why. I just didn't know personally because my mindset has, have, hasn't been oh, I have a kid right now because I haven't had that mindset yet. So Yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of use that. I'm not going to lie. Uh, that right there was a very, very vulnerable time for me. And I know for any other man that goes through that, that's a really vulnerable time. So to be a ruler, to have that go on and still have mm-hmm. conflict with your own blood, and mm-hmm. what will really be disappointing is if you're going through this conflict, and then the one who actually brings a war to your doorstep is your own brother. That's like a really, really big betrayal right there. So I wanted to really play with that element. I really mm-hmm. wanted to play with it. And it, it made Jafar, a, to me, a better character because you can really empathize with how you felt about the situation mm-hmm. and uh, why he was even more pissed off about his own family turning on him than anybody else. Like, you know, yeah, it's like, crazy. That No, I think you did a wonderful job. Uh really flexing that family element because that's not something that you see a lot. It's kind of glossed over. I think uh, personally for me, the only one of the good movies that really did a good job of doing that was Wolverine Origins, X-Men Origins, where they were said, you know, Wolverine's this great guy. You know, he obviously was a very different person before he got turned into a monster. But, Mm. you know, you know, they showed that he's still the same sort of person. So I'm very excited to see that go through James and watch him progress over time but it can they showed you even go if you guys can stay alive through all of this time it doesn't matter blood can still rip your rip you apart so yeah. i think you've done a great job in showing that element really really strongly and you know it, it really shows in the way that jafar just acts it just it just has that power so i, so I commend you for that 
And you see more Jafar in History of Forgotten Sons. You, mm. you see a younger Jafar at that. And you oh. see the younger version of Shula. And you see the 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 when the Centurions first uh, crash landed onto Planet Omega in that conflict. Because mm. they were running away from space pirates. And those space pirates I got from the Sands. I ain't going to lie because the Sands was pirates. And you, they were at war with the Truffles. Mm. So I kind of wanted, again, play with that element right there. Mm. So like you'll get to see the space pirates and how they were connected to one of the destroyers as well. And it's like, mm. oh, it's, it's so much. It's so much. And then there's other alien species in history of Forgotten Sons that you're going to see in Omega Baku down the road. Um, so it's cool. It's, it's really cool. You have any, anything else you want to ask him? Because he's answered a lot of our questions. <laughs> this, this, piece is, this piece is, I mean, like, I know, you know, hey, you know, we can take a second, come back. There's, a, there's definitely some things I definitely want to ask him still. Um, you know, I got, you know, I'll throw out one of my favorite uh, questions for, for authors at this point, you know. With and, and JC mentioned it earlier, like, you didn't, you don't write yourself into a hole, but with, everything happening is there still an existential threat kind of like uh i i'm gonna borrow marvel a little bit here where oh you know phase one for them was setting up for basically the whole thanos storyline is mm -hmm. there a bigger existential threat for the omega baraku universe that they aren't aware of yet that you're still working on now without spoilers like is there still something mind you um you know you might not have something but i'm just kind of curious is there something that's out there that is just this all-seeing darkness that just is this a void coming for every is there a black hole that can't be stopped is, is there some sort of existential asteroid writer's asteroid that's on its way uh you have a I can go into like uh i can go into what's going to happen in the end of the second saga and what the third saga is going to be about okay so we are um, we are heading towards some you know just a sneak yeah this very little tiny i'll give you a little bit I'm not, I'm, I'm not worried about it because <laughs> the whole process to that stuff is what you won't really enjoy so at the in the second saga he meets this mad scientist who's actually working for this other guy who really did something to james that really made james go over to the edge on him going his route to being a hero right um they were working on this this thing that can open up portals. Uh, it failed a couple of times throughout the saga, but at the end, it happens and it actually works. And what it does is, is it opens up a dimension to the underworld. Oh lord! And you got these two brothers, two demon brothers. That's what and demons like. Okay. Yeah, that's when the demons come in, mm. and that's their first time coming into the earth realm. And uh, you know that's going to be a really really interesting battle because now we're bringing in this the spiritual elements and spiritual powers and now having cosmic fights with spiritual battles. Uh, that's really, really, really cool to see. And then you get to learn about the two brothers and divide of the two brothers. Uh, it's really fun. It's, it's really fun. And I think that's going to be the first actual big test uh, to really, really, really showcase our heroes because during that time, there's going to be another hero that comes along and helps them out. Um, before we jump into our last break, I got a question. Like, are you going to be bringing in other elements? I know you have like the power. You got loss. Gonna that's going to be one. Are you going to have any like potential love interests and just that emotional side of it and how it affects him as a hero? 
Uh, later on. Later when on, yeah. Older, of course. When he gets I just older. wonder if it's yeah. like how he's going to play that because you did a little bit with uh, Jafar's wife, you know, with that situation. I don't want to spoil it, but, you know, that situation mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering how much would that take effect with him learning about all these different things. It's going um, to be in a way. Because when he's in the second chapter and the third and fourth chapter, he's homeschooled. So, like, uh, when after that happens, he will have to go to a public school. And so there's a lot more things I'm able to play with. And then mm-hmm. I can, there's a, a character that I have playing. It's kind of like his, uh, a person that he likes. You kind of like each other, but, you know, they're still young. You know what I mean? So he sounds uh, very sheltered in the beginning. Yeah, he is. So he I, is. I like that. You know, he's learning different things. Mm-hmm. No matter, It's kind of like, it's like no matter how powerful you are, emotions will beat any man. Mm-hmm. And I mostly center him around a flat character arc, uh, sort of like Goku. You know, everywhere mm-hmm. Goku goes, the story always revolves, and he always pushes the story forward. And I kind of wanted to do that with James too. Every place that he's go to, where it's new, he's kind of changing everybody else around him. So he's mm-hmm. got the old talk no jutsu going on right now. <laughs> so like, uh, so like, you know, he has a sense of wonder when he gets to, you know, uh, meeting other kids and now having actual friends, uh, which is, it's really cool because it's something that they never saw before in their life. So it's changing their character just as much as, it's, you know, he's going through the story himself. So it's, a, it's some really cool stuff. It's some, it's some really cool stuff. It's some really cool stuff. Hmm. One person I have to say you have to take a note to is this character named Detective Lucas. He's like the first uh, detective that James and William, who is his herb dad, they meet. And uh, he's a he's a dope. He's a dope character. He's a dope character. And I got something very, very special planned out for him and what he's oh, going to do for the series. Detectives, detectives, detectives. I, Detective I, I think I, det- I think back to all the famous detectives, you know, uh, across. Oh, this one is different. The- this one is different. Look out, this Conan! One. Here comes Detective Lucas. <laughs> he's he's uh he's uh he's gonna be a very 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 cool character, and then once he actually starts doing what he's doing, you're gonna go. He's gonna make an appearance in the second saga. So like you're gonna be like, oh shit, who is that? And then you find out that oh shit, is the that's the, the title Lucas? What the fuck happened? So I have I had that going on with that. And uh there's some cool things you can probably pull away from it. Okay. There's some cool elements you'll put pull away from it. Uh, uh, I give you a hint. Um I'm a big Santai person, so I love the Taku series. So you might see something like that happening. Hey. <laughs> On that note, we're going to take our last break of the interview. We're going to come back with our closing with a few more questions. And and uh, we'll see what Chris has coming up in the future. Other than I know he changed the name. Baraku. 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 Mega Baraku. Like a Baku. My anime list gets longer every day. Still black. Still black. All right, we'll be back. We'll be right back. The iPad. I'll try to at least wish it uh, before, on you a little bit. <laughs> before I actually published it myself, I actually shopped it around. I shopped it to uh, uh, Black Mask. Uh, I don't know if you heard of them. Yeah. Uh, they said that Omega Black didn't fit the stuff on their catalog. I sent it over to um, uh, Image. Image. Even this is before I met Todd. Okay. Uh, this is probably one of the reasons why he know me. 
Um, they said that Omega Black didn't fit the stuff on their catalog. Uh, Dark Horse, they said that Omega Black didn't fit anything on their catalog. And um, I, at that point, I was like, yo, fuck this. I'm going to do it myself and screw these motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. And within the next year, we were sitting in the same places that they were. <laughs> they just like they just like uh, you know what you know what uh, not in a bad way it just reminds me because um, I know JC just watched rewatch Korra he, it reminds me of Varric with Isami just just trying to pull one pull a fast one mm-hmm. pull a fast one and be like no well you you have this thing I'm gonna help you out of the greater goodness of my heart as they you know as that soul turns black and they stare at you <laughs> yeah it's a it's a weird situation it's a weird situation it is. but. You know, hey, it is what it is. It, it just showed that you'd rather bet on yourself than try to bet with other other entities. You know what I mean? That's you always uh, make 100% on it. That's where our shit came from. I'm just doing betting on myself and doing what I want to do. In my That's control. all we can do during this time. You, you, you do that for yourself. You find other like-minded people, and then you just network. Uh, yeah, for real. Everybody ready to go? We can get back on this, man. Yes, sir. All right. Final stretch, gentlemen. Final stretch, ladies and gentlemen. Final stretch. How long y'all uh, usually go for? Three hours? Uh, two. At most two. Two yeah, and a half. Two. We never Sometimes two and a half, hours. yeah, but not the three. Majority of the time, I like to keep it around an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you, When y'all get really, really interested on some topics, do y'all forget about the time? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God for the editors, man. Thank God for the editors. Um, I edit a lot of our work anyway. So it, when, I'm, when I'm going through and listening back, and if it if it flows, I'll let it go. True. If it, if it just runs on, then I'll cut some parts out of it just because. But majority of the time, if we're on something good, I'll just let it go, and then we'll take a break out of the pack if we go longer than the extended mm-hmm. time. Yep. And then that way That's dope I, that y'all do breaks, man. That's it helps dope. me cut parts out. So yeah. for me, when I uh, I'm st- I used to do the whole interviews and post them on YouTube. Mm. We had too many issues with YouTube, so I got away from that. So now I'm doing mm. full on interviews on IGTV. I post them in parts now. So whenever okay. we take a break, that's when I make that final cut, process that video and post it. How's your views on IGTV? It's not that great right now. Honestly, right now. uh as of from business, maybe 1.3% of my income comes from Instagram. Mm. So I rarely, rarely post the good shit on Instagram. I rarely do that. I don't give a fuck, you know, because that costs money, dog. Like, a lot of people don't understand the price it costs to be in this business. And you don't want to give the goodies like this, you know, when mm-hmm. it has a lot of content out to people who are not appreciative of it. Right. So, like, uh, well, what I do is I go with where the top income is coming from. Like Facebook, a lot of people don't think that Facebook is a good market. But well, a lot I posted on they, IG and Facebook. There you go. There's a lot of well, comments not, people well, on Facebook. Well, let me let me correct myself. Okay, hmm. the audio vi- the audio visuals the visuals hmm. are on IG and Facebook. Oh, for sure. The for podcast sure, sure. itself is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a oh, couple. Oh, you good then? Yeah, you got so those then. My main it's not a lot, okay, but my main stream of income from the podcast alone comes from Spotify, Apple, and all the other uh, podcast platforms. For sure. Like, and you use that, Instagram for the marketing? Yes. My for third, sure. my third, my third partner, Imrob, 
he created this thing called Anchor. He's Anchor.com. He created for us. He gets our audio streamed on all the podcast platforms. Okay. And then I promote the Spotify and the Apple Podcasts and all the other stuff as much as we can. But is that like with CD Baby and all, all the other yeah, stuff like that? Yeah. So show, like, yeah. what Anchor will do is find a platform for our audio and put it on there. So the main so, ones right now we produce, we're promoting is Spotify and Apple. But it also not has keep that. Uh, I'm not going to front. You are going to see a lot of rev, a lot of uh, income coming from that. Uh, that's good. That's but, good. As but, long as but, you're not relying that shit on Instagram. Yeah. Oh yeah. goddamn. Yeah, we're not just relying on Instagram. All the reason sure. I, all the reason I took it off YouTube because all the stuff I kept just posting on YouTube, it I kept getting down. monetized. Monetized. It's just I've been running in too much trouble, so I thought just, just, just a waste of time trying to keep trying to figure out how to keep. Using you know, YouTube, YouTube, YouTube is very, 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 very into the 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 left of shit. So like, you're gonna run into that, man. It's gonna get even more worse as time goes on. But I'm glad you're able to maneuver throughout the bullshit. You know what I mean? As long as you, they got certain words that you can't even say on on YouTube. As soon as you say that word, yeah, you're gone. Yeah, like, they pull uh, it down. Yeah. And it's not even them; it's a computer that's doing it. Yeah, yeah, so, like, and they're they're yeah, and the same thing with Twitch, and you know, like the mm-hmm. the big guys are just not willing to. As long as they keep slowing, because everybody else is going to keep shoving, you know, as long as the majority of their top ten percent earners are still being okay, they like. I got I got bottom, a temporary you know, ban from Twitch right now. I'm on a temporary ban because <laughs> yeah, um, I was talking about the lady deer chick that they had. And I was like, man, got fucking lady deer check doing strings, eating grass and shit. And then next thing you know, I get the fucking <laughs> man. I was like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, yeah. That's 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 some do what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do I have to go outside and find a part to go eat grass in? Would that make things better? Would that make things better? <laughs> so, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> that's so crazy, it's, but... it's interesting time we're living in. Yeah. Like YouTube, so I used to talk about certain animes, and I post like a, a clip within our conversation. Not even no audio, nothing. It's just a clip or an image, and I got hit for copyright stuff like that. How it, long is how long is the clip and image? The clip is like three, four seconds. Seconds. Okay, yeah, because usually the law is like eight seconds. So it's like uh, not even half, and they were hitting. Yeah, it's not like, even uh, half. Yeah, that's some bullshit, bro. <laughs> exactly. I'm so so I was like, so this is before Giovanni even jumped on. So I was like, you know what? I'm just I'm done. I haven't got anything. Like, I haven't got any issues from Facebook or IG other than like I, I did some shit with Pokemon recently, mm-hmm. and I posted. Uh, I was doing like a side by side comparison of some shit with Pokemon Digimon. Mm-hmm. Posting the songs, I did like a side by side comparison of the intros. I had to take it down because Pokemon didn't play that shit. It was like you're not gonna be playing our song oh on IGs, and I had to take it down. But that's the only time. Other than that, everything's been cool. So yeah, I put my stuff on IG, of course, but I also put it on Facebook. I have other I get platforms. so much flack from IG people, man. I get so much <laughs> flack, bro. Oh my god! Like last year, there were so many people that was like, "Why are you getting the guest invites, man? I got more followers than you." I'm like, dude, have you ever what? been to one of these shows? <laughs> have, like, you been to, have you been to a con? Have you been out? Have, have you, you been networking? Well, for me, like, it's not about the followers. It's it's about the work. If I like your work, yes. as you come on, I, I, I see homies that have less, and they're making seventy one thousand, two hundred thousand. So it's like. Gotta get out of that shit. But if you're not <laughs> talking to the people who's actually doing it, then you will never know. Yeah. So that's, it, the whole pandemic that's one of the big reasons why I made my Instagram very private is so that way it can cause those people who feel like 
they should be in the now, even though we're still working to grow ourselves as a business. Like the whole guest thing, that shit came out of left field because we didn't know how that shit was going to play. But that's just because we've been doing so good within the conventions and people want to have that same energy at their conventions because that shit sells tickets. You know, it gets people happy. It gets people Mm -hmm. going and people spend money. And mm-hmm. that's the bottom line. Is right. People spending money is the, the back important and forth. shit. The back it's an important and forth. thing. Not about yes. the back. It's not about the you. energy's not just it's getting dissipated. It's going into sales because the energy you're giving out, they're receiving, and that energy creates profit. Because there's so many people at the conventions that just sit there. That's true. You know? I, I admit, like, uh, I've been to AWA on a few cons here and there. And, you know, when I finally stepped into the merchant's booth on the other side, I was amazed. Mm-hmm. I realized that in the long run, besides watching cosplays, I was there to go see merchants and their goods. Mm-hmm. So there's just no, you know, mind you, young, you have the young old, so there's a mixture. But because it does drive sales and everyone wants quality, as mm-hmm. me and JC have talked about in the past with like Crunchyroll kind of saying, hey, we're going to do these types of external products. You know, mm-hmm. people always want quality products. People always want quality fan service or, you know, things yeah. that help them love their, uh, their, their mangas and the animes that they enjoy. So if you're going to bring that there, you have to give that energy. Because if not, nobody's going to walk up to no, a my, table. No. <laughs> the dead at all. That's what's been hurting us. The fact that we can't go and promote ourselves at these conventions right now is kind of hurting us right now. Just keep knocking at the door. Uh, just- keep knocking at the door. Keep showing them the numbers and then, you know, uh, look into the conventions that you're trying to get into because some of them mm-hmm. you really don't want to be a part of. You know, mm-hmm. some of them are so far gone. into the gone mm-hmm. to where it makes you not even want to be involved. Like the LA Comic Con, we sold over 320 comic books that weekend, but it was so much tension. Mm-hmm. So much tension between each person because there's, you know, you got this person who wants people to be at their booth they're not even talking to the people that are walking by right but they're like trying to try to get because somebody stopped by your booth and nobody's at their booth they're literally now they're actively trying to market to the person at your booth you're like yes and and honestly and honestly (laughs) i don't care because if i'm making the sales i don't give a shit right right if if a customer goes next door and buys from you i mean again (laughs) you're helping out the whole fucking line but you don't have to sit there and look at somebody with the poo-poo face. Mm. And then I had some conventions where people got up and they left. Like, they literally packed up their stuff and left. And I'm like, well, damn, I'm so sorry that that happened. That you feel this way, but you, know you paid mean? that money to the convention people and they're not yeah. going to fund it and that's on you. <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, those people that you thought you were going to come to your booth, that just gives them much more reason to come to me. And that's mm-hmm. how you just get those sales done. And that's some true. people don't like that. Some people mm-hmm. look at that as being uh, in the new world toxic. <laughs> and it's like, no, I love being business. toxic. If it means that business is getting done, if it means business is getting done, I guess I'm toxic as a motherfucker. I, I, I have no problems being toxic. That's one of my favorite <laughs> things to do. That's one of my favorite pastimes, just making people upset at me about something. But, you, but you're in this position for a reason. You have to show what you are when you're in this position. Mm. It doesn't matter if you're a guest. It doesn't even matter if you person that paid for the table because we was doing this even when we were paying for tables. My whole strategy is cheating every single convention like it's the NBA Finals or the, the Super Bowl. That is my mindset. I'm going there. Day one is game one. And you better, game, you better be ready for the first game. 
And if you ain't ready for the first game, you're going to lose that shit and you're going to be behind the series or be behind the game in the series. So you got to show up. And I expect the people that are with me to show up too, like my merchandise guy, Albert. Big shout out to Albert, Monkey D. Luciano. He usually used to do the uh, game commentary, but now he helps me out at the booths. When I have to go to the bathroom, that motherfucker fills the void. He makes sure people are coming by. You got a poster. Posters are free. If a thousand people are walking around with Omega Black posters, mm-hmm. that's more people that's going to see Omega Black and, and want to like, get Whoa. a poster. Right. Yes. And then that brings in more people to your booth. You got your product right there. All you have to do is make the damn sale. So, like, you shouldn't be behind the booth just doodling. You shouldn't be behind the booth sitting down. You need to be attentive of all times. You got to talk to everybody. You got to push it. It's just uh, everybody. Like, um, I have, like, I don't, a lot of people going over the, you know, police brutality shit. Um, it is bad. There's cops that, there's, there's bad cops and there's good cops. That's just the ball game we play in. That's humans. You know what I mean? That's good. Yeah, that's just yeah. all. Good humans and bad. Yeah, they, yeah. That's... <laughs> when I was at Phoenix Fan Fusion, there was like a group of police officers that, that were walking by, and they they looked at me. I ain't gonna front. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 chills came in. <laughs> I was like, holy <laughs> shit! All right, this ain't good. But I was like, what? Am I gonna sit here and not say nothing to these guys, mm-hmm. or I'm gonna man the fuck up? I'm going to treat them like any other customer. Mm-hmm. And I treated them like every other customer. And guess what? All those cops bought my comic books. Mm-hmm. All those cops took pictures. All those cops shared it on their social media with other people. And it helped the business grow. If I would have stuck that and didn't say anything, you would be, it's not a good look. Not a good look. Not a good look. And that's a tough situation to be in because in your mind is like, I don't really want to fuck with these motherfuckers. I know I know publishers that don't want to take people's money because they're not black. Right. And it's like, so what? You got a kid who comes to your booth. I have Asian kids that come to my booth. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I going to be telling them that I'm not going to take their money because they don't right, look well, like yeah, oh, oh, my gosh. Yes, please take my media. Right. Marvel does the same thing. DC does the same right. thing. CW does get, the same thing. That, forget that. Skin. Right. Get that green. Because one thing, <laughs> what was crazy was, is that this, this little kid was like six years old. And I don't even promote to kids during that age. My, mm-hmm. my limit is 15. Right. You're like 15. This is, a lot this, is of this is miniature, you know, slightly sure teenage yeah. mature content. This little <laughs> motherfucker came running up. Omega Black, Omega Black, Omega Black, Omega Black, Omega Black. Yeah, and I'm what? sitting here like, wow. Yay. He is really happy. And I didn't know this. this how does he even know about who I am? Right. Yo, you don't even have to pay for it, man. Here, just take a copy. Because, like, you deserve that. Because you came up to me and you had that energy. And, like, that's something that you will never you never forget it. You can't it. replace it. Yeah, that feeling, it. that feeling of that truth of passion getting passed over, you know. But I have to ask, you know, Chris, because considering that can sometimes, passion can be blinding sometimes, you know, yeah. with that. And, and, and not in a bad way, because it helps create good things. You, um, But sometimes you have to have somebody to steady the ship, you know, for me. For, so for us here, you know, sometimes it's me kind of making sure JC, you know, doesn't veer us off of, you know, into the ditch just a little bit. And we got to come mm. back out, you know, I've I'm called sure out many people before, it's you happened. know, it's your, 
<laughs> it's your editor, you know, like that. How did you it, pick those individuals? Because then, you know, you've moved on, you know, from your original editor and illustrator, you know, to you know, new individuals. And if you, I know you mentioned trust, but aside from that, what were you really look for in these types of individuals that helped you keep Omega Baraku even going? Like where, what, what the, the you know, um, characteristics and even, you know, sentiment what, what what did you look for in your in your new partners passion and wanting to be there wanting to be at the meetings Interesting. wanting to talk okay. wanting to call somebody at two o'clock in the morning just be like hey yo i got an idea well what we can probably do to kind of change things around to make things sound a little bit more clear mm-hmm. that is what i look for you know i, I look for people who know how to sell like, um, if, if you're able to sell, and I can see the numbers, like Eric, Eric is pushing 67. This is almost closing up to 71, probably by next week. Uh, I look for that type of stuff, man. Mm-hmm. I look for people who have experience. You know, I've only been in this business for three years. Um, I don't know everything there is about this business. So, like, sometimes you have to look at people who can look at it at a different angle, somewhere different from yours. Mm-hmm. Different opinions help, you know what I mean? Then you as a leader have to sit down and see what uh, see which ones actually works, not just for you, but work for everybody else as a team. Um, and that right there has made Omega Braku what it looks like right now, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's something I didn't really get too much from the original. You know, and that's, again, working with friends. Sometimes your friends slack off on things. You know, sometimes you don't call them out on certain things because, you know, that's your friend. But having somebody fresh into the mix who has the same amount of passion that can see what is going on, that can also adjust that shit and make it better. It can make it way better. And um, with it, uh, it took me a year to get comfortable with Ed. The Big shout out to him. The synergy, the synergy. You know what I mean? And I, it took me about six months to even find him as an artist. You know, mm. I, after the first team broke up, I had tryouts for different people and uh, it was not looking good at mm. all, at all. And then Ed comes along and, you know, you get to a point where you've seen so much now, you don't even want to fucking, you know, have the hopes for it because you've seen so many bad ones so long. And then he just blows your mind. I'm like, oh, my God. Bro, Where have you been? <laughs> and then, you know, a whole year later with us being around each other, working around each other, uh, trying to make things better, revamping the art style, it made us closer uh, mm-hmm. than anybody. Um, right. And, like, uh, I wish I would have had that the first time around. But, again, you have to go through some of that stuff in order to find that. You have to go through the bad to find some good, man. You have to. It's part of this whole thing of life. It's part of the business. It just is what it is. And, and I have a follow-up to that, definitely, because, you know, especially with COVID and everything like now, and, you know, it's a lot more stressful for a lot more people, but, you know, especially with you being under the gun, you know, trying to get things done, trying to get this, you know, promote this in terms of making sales and getting it into potential readers' hands. How do you mentally reset for the work? Or is the work itself your mental reset from your day personal day job or day activities like well you know Omega Braku is my day job so I'm always on the phone calling stores trying to see which where we can sell I'm always talking to customers trying to figure out hey I've seen you like this uh Mm -hmm. is there a a reason that you're interested maybe I can provide you a copy of Omega Braku I can give you like a 10% discount 
so to kind of get you into the series. So there's little things I do like that. And again, it, it makes people want to be in more involved. Another thing that helps me out, working out every morning. Before mm-hmm. I even do anything, I do my workouts, I, I, I take a shower after the workouts, and that kind of uh, resets you. Resets me a lot. Mm-hmm. It resets mm-hmm. me a lot. And even when days I don't do workouts, I feel very sluggy. Mm-hmm. Like if I wake up and I'm having to go straight into a, a morning meeting, um, sometimes it's a little it's a little chaotic for me. You know what I mean? Uh, but doing that 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 helps out. Going out and walking, like uh, you know, during this whole lockdown, you wasn't even able to go so many places. Right. Now you're actually able to go out and walk. So sometimes after I work out, I go walk around the block. You know, mm-hmm. I go walk around the stores that I know. I go check out the store that carries Omega Broccoli, Omega Black, the single comic book. I go talk to them and see how they're doing. Right. And just uh, getting out and just walking, being trying to be active, keeping your body active. And that helps your brain out too. Usually when I walk, that kind of helps me release any kind of uh, writing blocks that I got going on because I'm always thinking about what I just last worked on. I go over the scripts in my head as as I'm walking and I'm figuring things out. And sometimes you 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 hit a light and it's like, mm-hmm. ah, okay, this is what I, I need, right? Because you hit that stop and reality takes over. But your brain's like, well, I guess we have to come up with an idea. Bam. <laughs> now, I'm not going to front. Like uh, me reading other people's books is very very hard for me right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of hard to digest some other stuff while you're cooking something yourself. You know what I mean? So, like, uh, going back to Dragon Ball Super, I haven't been able to check out what's happening with the Murrow Saga because I've been so focused on Omega Broccoli. Mm-hmm. Like, I haven't been able to go digest other forms of entertainment, okay. things that's on, you know, streaming networks. I haven't been able to, to take it in because... You're just I'm on always, that grind. Yes. Okay. I, I'm always trying to, to, to work on this. And then I don't want nobody to feel like I'm taking it all from somewhere other places. So if I don't know what's going on in My Hero Academia, Mm-hmm. You can never say that I pulled anything from my hero uh, academia. So you know what I mean. Uh, uh, what are they? I forget what I. I had a, like a, a small term for it. I if just for movies. That's, that's personally how I am. So like Tenet and things like that. I really enjoy movies personally. So I like calling them cold opens. Just, mm-hmm. I just like going into something cold and saying I don't know what's happening. I want to enjoy the media exactly how the author and the illustrator and everybody who put hard work and sweat and blood into it. I want to absorb it just how they gave it to me. You know. Mm-hmm. So that's how I appreciate that. So, you know, I, you know, I'm very happy to hear that, you know, it shows that you really have taken fully into everything, you know, all of the accounts of what people might say from the external to make sure that you're safeguarded, but also you're taking care of yourself internally. So you're making sure that you're balanced on both ends, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's really nice to hear that you have a really, you know, balanced approach in terms of how you like to work through everything. It sucks because you don't know all the hot shit that's going on and you're Mm -hmm. kind of left out of the mix. But, you know, that's just a price you have to pay for building something like that. You know, every person who's in this position, they go through it too. Everybody goes through it. It's just, it's just one of those things. It's really tough. I can't watch anything without seeing somebody mess up in an edit. Really? I'll watch a, I'll watch a movie or show. I was like, oh, they cut that right there because old buddy... <laughs> Somebody, yeah. somebody kicked yeah. really harsh. Yeah. <laughs> See, or that's the buddy, price of oh, oh buddy, that. he dropped that for real, and they had to cut that out, or they really did fall right there. <laughs> that's like the that. price of being the factory and not the consumer. Mm. 
So like the consumers, you know, they just see it for what it is. They don't mm-hmm. really see all that shit. But when you're actually in it, you see everything. I was like, I oh, they cut down everything a lot better. They, I, I, I critique too much stuff. <laughs> and I think of so many things in my head. When I watch an anime or a show, I was like, oh, they could have animated that better. Mm-hmm. They could have cut that to mm-hmm. the point where they kept the music flowing properly and then do a jump cut. And then I was like, it's just, it happens. It happens. And I just kind of, I try to look over it from time to time. But mm-hmm. even when I'm watching a movie or a TV show, I'll say something out loud, and then I just cut my eyes towards my wife, and she'd be like, "Yeah, whatever." <laughs> <laughs> but that's a gift, though, man. That's a yeah. really, really good gift. A lot of people don't have that, you know what I mean? But that's also a lot of people who are not in this business can right. don't have that either. That's so it's like, is this is this part of the ropes, man? That is wow. definitely true. That is true. That's why I'm like, I'm I'll like, tell you what, though, I would love watching movies with you because we'll be both sitting there like, what the fuck, man? I, I do be like that. I do be like that. <laughs> I, I, I mean, whether it's significant others or friends, it's like, hey, I might have to watch this alone because yeah. you, it's not that I don't want to watch it with oh, you. It's that I need my, my, uh, my worst pet peeve, and I get headaches watching this when there's too many cuts. When there's mm-hmm. too many uh, jump cuts, and I'll see mm-hmm. every cut. And it won't flow at all for me. And I'll be like watching an action movie and one fight scene has like 40 cuts in it. And I get a headache because I'm so annoyed of the 40 cuts in this one (laughs) fight scene. Uh, (laughs) Oh my gosh, man. So so that's just one of the things I deal with because it's what I love to do, man. I love to edit and do all these things. But that just tells me when you get put in the position to do it yourself, you know how to do it the right way. Okay. So like. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just um, going to reach back a little bit on the early days of Omega Black and, or now Omega Baraku. Baraku! Baraku! Uh, Omega You know, I think I'm going to do that every time I bring that up. <laughs> can we get it out, We thought about it. The pre-production were like, the fans might not appreciate that on the audio side, but we really wanted to. <laughs> every time I say that name. But and just going back, we were talking about the followers and blah blah blah, and you know, trying to get the IG people up, Facebook, whatever. I know you're not really, you know, your main focus is just about making that money. But just from the ground level to you are now, other than pushing at Comic Con, you know, basically mixtape out the back of the trunk. Mm-hmm. Where are other places that you just went to just? Check out Omega Black. Check out this. Check out that. Where did you go? Like, uh, just to get more of the ideas and stuff? No, just to, uh, like, ideas. Not not even ideas. Let me more PR, more. marketing. PR, marketing. Oh, oh. So, like, when we first initially started, man, we put out a trailer. Um, that trailer did, like, 25,000 views. We did it on uh, Facebook, and it was very, very cool. It got a lot of people's eyes up there. Um, you know, that helped out a lot, you know. Um, a lot of comic Con saw that too. So uh, that kind of set us up for the next year, you know, when people saw those numbers and they can go back and check that on there. It's like, oh, those guys are actually legit. Let's give them a shot. And then it's just about getting into that spot. Mm-hmm. Again, making the best of it, treating like the NBA Finals or the Super Bowl. And then somebody's going to see that and they're going to want you to come back for more. Mm-hmm. And then you, you get a little bit more experience. You get more sassiness with how you talk to your customers. Now people are having more fun. Then you do another one. 
you take that same energy and you try to do something a lot more different, still keeping people involved. Just like that, that, that was the marketing that I was doing with it. And then there were people coming up who say, oh man, I remember this from Facebook and such and such. And it's like, oh, okay, cool beans. But you also seen it around the entire Comic-Con because people were walking with posters and you wanted to get a poster. So it add more demand. And when people will see something that they like and they don't have it, a human always gonna want to get it. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, that's kind of like how my approach is with that. Okay. Okay. Did you run into any issues uh, trademarking your name and logo and stuff like that? No, I use uh, the trademark attorney and then U.S. Copyright Service. Uh, I do both. Um, try to do both. Try to keep it protected as much as possible. Mm-hmm. I know with the trademark attorney, it's like nine, almost a thousand dollars for that one right there. Wow. You know, that's expensive. the stuff we're dealing with right now. <laughs> yeah, that was a a long time, and you know, after you pay that, you can go back and change your names and, and stuff. You know what I mean? But like getting that yeah, first you hurdle have, over. Do what? Getting that through that initial hurdle. Yeah, that was the kind of the, the tough tough spot. Mm. But I did that early on. I did that way early on. Okay. All right. Um, I, and, you know, I got to ask, because it's a fun question to balance the bad, you know, we got to balance the business with the, you know, the fun here. With running Omega Braku, you know, what's got to be your favorite color? Whether because, you know, you are the, oh, you know, you know, you're writing everything, but you're not necessarily drawing everything as an illustrator. What color do you really like your illustrator to show throughout the entire comp? Mind you, it's, you know, the full series. What's that favorite color that you just can't get away from? I like the purple, man. Purple and blue. Those are, those are two really, really good colors and, and one of my favorites at that. So a lot of that, but again, within the manga, you're not going to get the colored version. So you're mm-hmm. going to get that black and white. The only color that you're going to see is on the cover itself. Now, if we hit our 25,000 stretch goal, I am willing to hire a colorist and we can go back and color the, the book itself inside the interior. And now people will not only have just the one a copy of Omega Braku, they have mm-hmm. the colored version as well as audio book. Uh, so that's, that's in the play. That's in the play, but purple, a little bit of gold, blue. Those are the colors that I really like to stand out. Okay. And, and it know, was purple. Well, even shout out to Black Panther. It was purple a, before the movie even came out. <laughs> you know what I mean? We, they we came didn't, out with the yeah, came out that, with the purple in 2016. We were playing with a lot with that. They were like, "Yeah, we'll use the purple." It's like, what? What happened? Because Black blue? Panther's colors is usually like his logo is like blue and gold. Mm-hmm. Like a navy blue is goldish, so it was kind of weird that they turned the whole thing purple. I was like, ah, okay, hey, all right, so we'll, on. we'll take the royal so team, keep on working, keep on walking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fair enough. But it's a good touch. Uh, again, uh, much respect to 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 the people that made that one. But I do like the color of purple and gold and blue. Okay. Well, Chris, I, I, I don't think JC would uh, disagree with me here in saying, you know, for everyone who isn't aware of where Omega Baraku is available, the best way to buy it, the, you know, the Indiegogo, the Indiegogo, Indiegogo. Could you take a second and give our viewers and our listeners the full stretch for the Indiegogo for Omega Baraku? Yeah, so like uh, our stretch goal is 4,000. Uh, once we hit that stretch goal, we'll do the audio version which is done by myself. I went to school for music production and sound design at the Academy of Arts. So I do work with a lot of professional 
elements with that. I'm doing it myself. Okay. I might have to find a female uh, voice lead because I can't. I can't do female voices like that for my girl characters. <laughs> <laughs> so some other things we have to play with it, but we're all willing to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, that is going to be where people can get Omega Raku. Um, once that is funded, people can get that book in December. The scripts are already done from chapter one to one fourteen. I'm actually working on one fifteen now, trying to figure out what I'm doing with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people will be able to get it on there uh, and get it in their hands by Christmas time. I think it will be a dope Christmas gift for everybody. Um, if you get the hundred dollar fifty pack, you get the Omega Braku. You also get the sketchbook, which you can draw some really really cool stuff on, and you also get a hoodie, which uh, Ed Humerus, who designed the characters, are designing the hoodie for you guys. Oh wow! That should be up on there in the next couple of weeks, as well as the we are going back and kind of re re changing some pages that we have up on Indiegogo. Going to make it a lot more detail, um, so that way it just pop out more to you. Okay. Uh, that is what we're. Excuse me, that's what the focus is this week. We just released the cover yesterday. Now we're just going back and kind of even do some more revamping. Okay. Oh, okay. I can't wait. Don't get me wrong. Uh, uh, that I'm, I might have to get in touch with you and, and go ahead and order one of those, you know, not only for myself, but also I have a younger brother too. So I definitely want to yeah. give him a really good so, gift Christmas so, present. So that's definitely something I'm looking forward to. So like I was telling you before, we just put out the three-pack where people can buy three copies of Omega Broccoli 20% off at 40 bucks. So yeah, you can do that with that. And if you're a store owner or if you're a person that flips items and you want to make an extra couple of dollars, you can buy the 10-pack, which comes with 10 copies of Omega Broccoli. <laughs> you know, keep one for yourself. You can resell the other ones. Make back that money. I'm hey. trying to let you know this. I'm <laughs> trying to let you know this. Listen up, listen up, listen up. Hey, you man, just saying, so you're speaking on making that money. You know, if you ever want to illustrate our comic <laughs> that we don't have in the making, but we would. <laughs> we would nah. <laughs> I will publish it for you, bro. I'll publish it. Yeah. If you if you want me to, I'll do it. Or if you need some assistance, I don't mind. As mm-hmm. uh, long as we can all work together. As long as we can all work that. together. I was just messing around with Javon. I was like, hey, we can take a month off. <laughs> hey, hey, I, 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 I'll, I'll go watch some old school uh, writing videotapes. <laughs> I'll go sit on a river with my mask and you know just uh, learn how to put down thirty pages. Hey, I, I know it's not easy, so let me not. Judge, yeah, we but, for real. Know. We know it's not easy, but we appreciate it's all that. steps. But it's, it's hella fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got uh, Wild Hairs coming out later on uh, October, which is our first children's book yeah. created by Paul Wines. It's like a 12-page children's book, so that's going to be pretty cool. Uh, we have it, Mona Midnight, which is like a 1960s murder mystery, kind of reminds you of uh, Dick Tracy. Uh, a, lot of you, a lot of people remember Dick Tracy from the movies and stuff like that. He was a really cool cat. Uh, he actually had a game on, on the Nest, too, that was pretty dope. Um, it's like that. So it's pretty fun. That's also created by Paul Wines. Uh, the, I have a new series that I, I'm working on called Gridiron XYZ. And it's actually, the art is going to be by uh, Claudio Avilia. He's worked with a lot of people. Okay. Uh, that one is like uh, Naruto meets American football. Kind of like your Aisha 21. But this okay. is much more 
much more geared around of American talking about football sports. Okay. So, so don't get me wrong, and I'm about to throw in a little bit of uh, money at that right there. The sports have shown us that with Haruku and Food Wars, that yeah. we can hit all the genres, and uh, they've done baseball enough. Uh, I think we're still waiting on that football time. anime. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you had iShow 21, which was very, very good. I'm not going to front for his time, mm-hmm. but it wasn't told in a way well, we know American football, you know, right. coming from the South, I've played in 4A football, uh, people like AJ Green when he was at Somerville, um, oh my God, Captain Mudlin, like, it's, it's a very passion behind that for me, mm-hmm. and uh, I always wanted to talk about my times of me playing football, and this is a way to kind of kind of go through that and just have fun hey, with it. Do you need uh, some backstories? Some we, yeah, we're right here. We're right here. <laughs> the man's got the shirt on for a reason. I can I, definitely be an advisory on that, too, if you want. Yeah, man. My stuff and my injury history and all that coming from the Well, but this is the thing. If the, if the Indiegogo campaign can get to 100% funded, even beyond, then you know that money goes into the product you know so we can always go back and make other products uh but we have to get it to where it is so that way people can see that that way we can hand go and make those you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Uh, this is probably going to be the way people are getting books out from here on out without relying on the big two Mm -hmm. because with the big two and regular publishing you don't know that that book is going to sell it's always a risk when you're working with them where when you crowdfund your books and you crowdfund through Indiegogo, you're actually going to have your own set customer base. You have those people already that is going to buy that book. You have those people right there that's going to do your reviews once the book is out. You have that community. You just have to grow. And if you show them the first time around, like we're showing them right now, uh, when you come back the next time around and do your second campaign, those same people are going to be ready for that. And it only just going to make you grow as a publisher and as a creator. Um, again, I, I think that is probably going to be the future when it comes down to this business. Because um, it's just too much with mainstream and you don't know who you're going to be hitting. It's really tough. But this is a way where you can just get around that shit. And if you make the numbers on here, that just makes your intellectual property much more better. And then you can take that to any other person and you can have your negotiations. You can demand what you want. Like uh, my Uncle E, I call him Uncle E, Ethan Van Skyver. He's the first uh, comic book any person to reach uh, close to uh, a million. No, he already reached past a million dollars on Indiegogo. He's one of the first ones. Wow. Uh, his IP now is worth 300, uh, 3 million, excuse me. So he already kind of doubled the worth of that just by being on Indiegogo and making those that customer base. And those are real numbers, man. You know, and then you got your stretch goals where you basically are just giving your customers more things for you hitting your goals. Mm-hmm. So like the 4,000 doing the audio book, that won't cost us a thing to make right there. So we actually, again, giving our customers something for what they're helping us do with our business. Uh, it creates more demand. It creates more of a, 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 makes your product worth more. So that way when people do go to resell it, they're going to make that money back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just how I think about it. And and I might be wrong about it, but I'm not going to front looking at all the other Comics Gate homies and how they've been doing it. Um, uh, John Malin is closing on $107,000 on his book. Like it's, that's where it's going to be. It's, it's going to be that way. And uh, it's fun. It's fun. And it shows you who is there, who your real customers are. 
Hmm. Uh, the way I started this is I, I did an email list. You know, I built that email list for about six to seven months. And then uh, my goal for that email list was about 300 people. We ended up hitting 243 out of 300. Wow. So even though we didn't hit that goal, we still had enough people when the first day of the campaign launched, those, some of those people at 243 helped us get over that 20%, which keeps us on the main page of Indiegogo. So like, that's how you suppose, I think that's how the whole business is gonna go to, man. It's just much better. Uh, it's much better for the customers. Uh, it adds more value to your product and you can just build from there. Again, with Kickstarter, it's so complicated because you know, they just laid off a 40% of their staff due right. to having people who were very, very SJW-ish and keeping out certain products from their platform, mm -hmm. made them lose over a, a million dollars. The only thing that really kept them into going was Todd McSpine's spine, uh, not said comic, his uh, action figure that did $3 million. That's what really kept Kickstarter up on to Kickstarter. Right. Uh, or there'd be so, no Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, Kickstarter it, it won't, it, or there'd be a Kickstarter to bring back Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? It, it was going to get so close to that shit, you know, but that's on them. Again, leading through politics and not through actual work. Um, and again, you know, Kickstarter, those are, that's a, a platform where your, your customers will pay you, but the money won't come out right then until the end. Correct. You don't Correct. know if your customers might have that at the end. You might raise a bunch of money in the first three hours, but then when the end of the campaign comes, you only probably raise 2% of that, really. So if you really want to concentrate on your customers, sell books, which is this industry is built off of, right. Indiegogo is going to be the best place where you can interact with those customers and sell those books and make those numbers. Get numbers talk now. Right. Numbers talk. Right. Um, other things, they don't talk. <laughs> the numbers talk. It's deadly outside, ladies and gentlemen. Stay inside and read manga. <laughs> yes. <coughs> yes. Don't worry about your Kindle. Don't worry about that. Books, no, no, don't, no. books don't die. Books don't hurt. Books don't kill. Books give knowledge and pleasure. Yes. <laughs> Come to Indiegogo. Get yourself a copy of Omega Broccoli. Get yourself a really good Christmas present. It's probably going to be one of the best stories of this year. Uh, if you look at all the other books that are up on Kickstarter, we are matched up some with some really good ones. Another manga um battle maiden by my man keanu lee oh my effing god that shit looks good and uh oh, it's just so much talent so you know i would love just to have the support on it so that way we can match our talent with other talent uh xenotype is another one uh liam gray he's a very very good storyteller it's a very very good manga uh, there's really some really good people coming out of this there's really really good people coming out well Chris, again, we appreciate you for taking time out of your very busy schedule to come talk to the people that are, to us, that man, are still dude, on that ground level busy. that we're trying to come up to you. <laughs> we're trying to get like you, man, and we appreciate it so much. Man, I'm just trying to do what I love, man. It's, Same as us, man. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's just about doing it. I just appreciate you having me on board. Uh, and... Uh, Hopefully, we can keep this thing going. Hey, man, we'd love to have you back, and you can tell us what's going on in the future. We'd love yeah, to have yeah. you back. Yeah. Uh, maybe we can, we can bring you back at the end of the campaign. We can talk about the success of his hey, success. Man, let or if it's, that's, that's that sounds good. I would definitely be very interested to see where Omena Baraku. Because I'm just saying, Baraku. I mean, how can you not love something like that, ladies and gentlemen? How I'm just saying, hey, if like I got that? some issues, all right, because I bought 
the second one, and I'm going to get the Barracuda. Mm-hmm. If I don't like it, you're going to hear from me. Definitely. Let <laughs> me, me I'm gonna know. Say. Trust me. I'm going to tell you one person that actually did that for me. He is uh, Dennis Cowan. I don't know if you're familiar who Dennis Cowan is. Um, he is one of the founders of Milestone Comics. Uh, Blood Syndicate, he worked on that one. Very cool guy. He also worked on the Static Animated series. Okay. Uh, he was one of the first people to buy it. And this is b- with the old team. And he tore my asshole apart, bro. Oh, my God. He went through every single page, every single thing. Dialogue. It hurt. Background setting. It hurt. It hurt. Because I look up to Dennis. I really do. Um but you have to go through that in order to become better. But you uh, need that. After need after that. after that, I I limited the team and what we needed to do. Uh, I did the editing myself afterwards, and it made it a little bit better. And now uh, we just send a much more of a better function. But you have to go through some of the bad to get to some of the good. Oh man, my early days doing this were fucking off. <laughs> it was so bad. It was so bad. We changed the name. We changed the format. Everything. It was so bad in the beginning mm-hmm. of the stages of this shit. But again, thank you. That's uh, the process, listener. though, man. That's the process. It's the process. You gotta enjoy the process. Process of hard work and dedication, man. That's all it is. It's for the journey, baby. Yeah. <laughs> thank you to all of our watchers, listeners, the in-betweeners, the blurs, nerds, and dweebs, man. We appreciate you taking the time to check out our interview with Chris Brown and his comic, mm. Omega Baraku. That's going to destroy my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Audio listeners, we apologize. Right. Yeah, they're going to hate it. Hey, they're going to hate it.